It's warming up. Jim, can I get you to do jazz hands with us? I know you're a tough guy. There you go. Look at that. Check that out. A Jim Fuller jazz hands. All right. We we are live. I hope you got your big girl panties on. We're going a little early, a little early today um, because, boom, there's our special guest. The man, the myth, the legend, the rock star, Jim Fuller of Rifle Dynamics. I don't know. I don't. I'm not sure. I'm not sure. You're you're still with Rifle Dynamics, right? You're still working. Oh yeah, right? yeah, I just left the shop. I've been working on my lathe for the last ten hours. <laughs> <laughs> okay, cool. Yeah. So uh, I know that we're just a little bit late, but Jim, you know, Jim just uh, ran home from the from the shop. But uh, thanks a lot for coming in, Jim. We appreciate it, man. Yeah, glad to be here. It's always fun. Always fun with you, Hank. Absolutely. I've been looking forward to this conversation. Shout out to everyone who's out there in the live chat. Um, please, guys, smash the thumbs. OK, we need the thumbs up. So please do that. If you're not subscribed to this channel, this is the Lifestyles of the Locked and Loaded. Please subscribe and then ring the bell so you can get notified. Of course, follow Jim. You have your own social media as well as there's a bunch of Rifle Dynamics social yeah, media out there. Full right? AK. Full AK? Yeah. That okay. 4AK on uh, on Instagram and Jim Fuller on on Facebook, and uh, we'll be on Twitch pretty soon, starting next week. Yeah, and, I saw uh, something about that going on. Are you playing video games? What's going on here? No, nah, man. I my kids wouldn't even let me play get video games with them because I suck. You know. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, I'm you're probably better than me. <laughs> no, I'm from the pinball generation, man. Oh, okay. Yeah. No, they have a uh, they have other things on there. There's actually quite a few other things on there, even though it's predominantly video games. They got a lot of pretty interesting things on there. There's a couple of music guys on there. I like to watch, you know, they mm -hmm. play music on, on their, on their channel and uh, a few other things here and there that are kind of good. So RD has a channel there now. And uh, I personally have a channel there too. Still trying to learn how to work it and we're getting set up. We'll be running the RD channel first and it won't always be guns. It, you know, it may be me working on guitars. It may be who knows, you know, um, it's just going to be for fun. It's just another format to try out, see how it works. You know? Okay, cool. So was this your idea? You you're the one that discovered Twitch, or did someone bring that to you? Um, actually, it was uh, one of our one of one of the guys in the sh one of the guys in um, in the office had been following it. He's kind of a gamer, I guess, and he and he he thought it was might be a good idea to look into it. So we decided, well, what the heck? So they got all this they got all the stuff set up. They're setting up a little uh, kind of like a little studio thing for for me to do stuff from the shop there. And uh, it should be kind of fun. We'll see how it goes. I mean, everybody says it's kind of a leftist place, but mm -hmm. almost all social media is. So but I, I have somebody commented on the thread today that um, you, if you're a gun person, you can actually get permission from them to be on there. Yes. So maybe that will eliminate any kind of problem from the right. fact that you're just going on there and showing guns. But I'm quite sure our first show won't have a whole lot to do with guns. It's just going to be kind of to introduce the show and talk about what we're going to do. Okay. Um, you know. Okay. So yeah, the one person that I know that is on Twitch is actually Devil Dog Gamer. Mm -hmm. And um, you know, I think that you know, if you if you have any problems, we, maybe we can get in touch with him because I think he would know a lot about the gun side of it. Cool. And he he cool. may even be able to get you um authorized because I think there is something like that he was telling me. Well, you have my contact info, just send it to him because any any yeah. help would be, would be grateful because you know me, I'm not a computer guy. 
You know, I mean, right. our, our guys in the shop, we have some pretty talented guys in the shop, but this is whole Twitch thing is all new to us. So, you know, anybody that has any experience with it would definitely be helpful for us. You know? All right. Awesome. Cool. Yeah, I'll definitely pass that on to Devil Dog Gamer. As Jim said, if anyone else knows anything about that, that's what I like about you, Jim. You're, you're always willing to jump <laughs> into the deep end. <laughs> I, I, I don't care, man. I'm, I'm too old to care about anything else. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, this listen, I'm sure that there's... A lot of things folks would like to talk to you about out there. Um, you guys can start maybe thinking about your questions and things like that, and, and I'll get to some of those. Um, so now, officially, you've handed over Rifle Dynamics to um, new management, right? You want to talk a little yeah, bit yeah, about yeah. that? That was actually two years ago now. I think okay. I did. I think my last interview with you with you was right after we sold the company, wasn't it? Right. Yeah, I think yeah. so. I mean, I saw you. I saw you in January uh, in Vegas because I, you know, every every January when you guys go to Shot Show, you should stop by Rifle Dynamics. Yeah, we always have our open house on Wednesday night, and if you're an AK guy, come on down. You know, you yeah. have a lot of fun. Yeah, it's always a fun show until Jim kicks everyone out. <laughs> well, the new yeah. management, you know, we used, sometimes that went into a pretty late night a few times when I used to be in charge of that thing. <laughs> we don't necessarily want that anymore. So no, we no, try no. to knock it off around eight or nine o'clock now, you know. Yeah, it was fun, though. It's always cool. You'll, you know, it's always a nice mingling with people and uh, there's food trucks and stuff like that there. Uh, do people need invites or anything for that? I just always show up. Yeah, yeah, that's perfectly. You know, most of the people that are in the AK culture, they know when they're in town, it's like, hey, that's a Wednesday night thing. It's become kind of standard now. I think we've done it for like six or seven years in a row now, if I'm not mistaken. I, I kind of lost track of it. But um, yeah, every year it gets bigger and bigger. I think this year we had probably three, 350 people there or something like that. Yeah, there's always cool prizes and stuff like that. You know, uh, you, if... If you're if you're there if you're if you're there for shot show come down. So since um since everything changed over, what have you been up to? Um, well, uh, mostly in the shop. You know, I do a lot of QC stuff because you know we we trained a whole new crew in there, mm -hmm. and they really kick ass now. I mean, frankly, we turn out a lot more guns now than we used to when I ran the place. You know, okay. the, the new owner expanded it quite a bit. Um, we modernized a lot of things to make stuff move smoother and easier so we could still maintain the quality yet produce faster. And, uh, you know, we don't really have a back order anymore like we did when I was there. But yeah. you know, it was me and handle, we all built one gun at a time, and now we do it a little bit different, and things get turned around quite a bit quicker. Yeah. You know, I think you guys used to have, like, um, correct me if I'm wrong here, was it a two-year waiting list? At one time, we were that long. Um, when yeah. I sold the company, we were probably about just a little under a year back ordered. And uh, it took about six months to knock all that out. Okay. And uh, now we're, I think, um, I don't know what they're quoting for a lead time, but it's probably not more than much more than 60 days if that, you know, and, and something we have a lot of stuff in stock now that we have an in stock page on our website now. So if people are looking stuff they can get right now. There's stuff there. Yeah. And if you're a gun store, if you have a gun store, you uh, they can get in touch with you guys, sign up, and they could carry Rifle Dynamics guns, right? Um, we are going to be starting a dealer program. We've actually taken on, I think, one or two few dealers. I don't really get into that stuff anymore because okay. I don't deal with the business end of things, but mm -hmm. I know we are taking on a few dealers now. And uh, I just don't know the whole detail about that. If, if somebody wants to pursue that, they can email info at rifledynamics.com. And Casey is our sales lady. She will uh, get back to them and see if there's anything that we can do there or not. I, I just, but like I said, I don't know because that's not any of the area I deal with. So I just deal with strictly the gun stuff now and yeah. social media stuff, of course. Okay, cool. So, um, you know, I'm, I'm definitely going to get to the social media here in a second. Because every now and then you press you press some buttons out there, and oh, try to shut down the internet. 
<laughs> so, um, you know, just someone asked me this, so I'm going to pose the question to you because I think there's probably several people out there that are concerned about this. If, you know, before before new management came in, for the folks out there that own rifle dynamics guns, right, you know, is there a big difference between those guns and the guns that are being manufactured since new management? No, not really at all. Okay. We just move faster, you know. I mean, uh, you know, when you – I mean, I don't really – you know, it's hard for me to say how much more guns we do right now. And we and occasionally we get one that comes back. I mean, we're not perfect. We'll get one that comes back for something that wasn't quite right or whatever. It's usually a pretty small thing. Um, but – and the more volume you do, the more that's going to happen. But as far as what the guns are doing, I mean, one of my jobs there right now is I do all the final assembly on the finished guns after they've been painted. And I, I do the final assembly on them just before they go out for the final test. Okay, fire. so you're still touching everything. Oh yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, I don't build a lot of the production guns. I build a lot of the specialty guns. Like when people send in period correct um, kit builds or, you know, crank specialty things like that, that are not our standard production item. I still build all that stuff. And uh, I also do the final assembly of all the production guns. Cause that allows, that's one of the quality control checks. Cause if there's anything wrong, I make a list of it right there and it gets fixed before it goes any further. You know. Okay, that's good to know. I think the reason why I got asked the question, obviously, I've done several videos with you. You guys can find those on YouTube slash Hank Strange. I think that there's people out there that think that and, you know, folks collect rifle dynamics guns. Mm -hmm. So oh, I yeah. think there's people who think that the, you know, the older stuff before you, you went under new management is more collectible than the newer stuff. I don't know if you're all seeing anything like that. Like I knew someone that was like, I got to get something before they change over. Cause that's going to be the super collectible one. Um, is that really, is there really any kind of difference going on in there? Nah, you know, I mean, I really don't see that. Um, I mean, not, not for RK. I mean, we've got customers that we've had for years that probably own 10, 15 or more guns. And uh, I would consider them RD collectors and, None of them have seemed to slow down or nothing. Um, every time we do something new, we'll get a call from from these people and say, hey, man, what's up with that? Sounds good. What, what do you think? I said, does this, this, and this. Okay, sell me one. I want it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. I mean, as far as our regular folks that have bought stuff on a regular basis, we don't see any difference. They're, they, they like the quality. They're happy with what they're getting. Uh, you know, like I said, I, I, you know, I wouldn't be there if it wasn't like that because I worked hard for the reputation of that company. And the owner knows that, you know, the new owner has been a friend of mine for almost 25 years and I wouldn't have sold it to anybody. I didn't know that well, just because I, I, you know, I take very seriously the amount of work that we put in to build the reputation of that company. And I wanted to maintain that. Okay. And believe me, if I thought it was anything less than what it should be, I wouldn't be there. Right. And Absolutely. There's other things I can do. Believe yeah. Me. Yeah. And as Jim is saying, you know, he's there. He's there every day. I think um, some there's some stuff that's been uh, relieved, some pressures and and all that kind of stuff that's been relieved, obviously, by these guys coming in. So, you know, does this give you any more time, Jim? Are you like going off surfing somewhere? You know, um, I see someone here said they're surprised to find out that you play the guitar. Do you have like extra time that you don't know what to do with all of a sudden? Well, I, you know, I, I do mainly because I work such weird hours, you know, I'm a night owl kind of person that my, you know, Mark likes to call it vampire hours, you know, so I'll wake up at two in the morning and I'll do a little bit of stuff, drink some coffee, do a little internet and I'll go into the shop at three or something. And, and then, you know, by noon I'm going home. So yeah, I got time, 
you know. Oh, okay, I mean, cool. I was there a little later today because I got a special project I'm working on. But yeah, the guitar thing, um, I did a lot when I was young. I mean, fresh out of high school, I was, you know, I, I was kind of supporting myself doing that. Um, mm -hmm. It was really my first job. Yeah. And uh, I did that pretty pretty much for first for. for I don't know, about 10 years after I got out of school, it was a lot of fun. You know, I mean, I tried, I tried to make the whole rock star thing. It didn't work out. Um, mm -hmm. That's a really hard thing to break into. I mean, honestly, you can live and breathe that lifestyle for years. And especially back then, it's a lot different than it is now with the internet. There was no internet back in the eighties. And I see a lot of people, you know, with independent, um, they can actually get their music out and do quite well with it because you're not depending on some big elitist record company to give you that mm -hmm. elusive record deal, you know? Yeah, but but the internet's still here, Jim. You're, you're a little bit older, a <laughs> little, little bit seasoned. That doesn't well, mean that you can't be a rock star on the internet. You see these hands? They got 45 years of industrial workforce on them. <laughs> and a little bit of arthritis behind him. So 64th notes are out of the question for me. 32nd notes, I'm not there yet, but I'm getting close. 16th notes, I'm still a little sloppy. But okay. I'm a really good slow hand player, and that's what I claim right now. Okay. <laughs> you know, I like so when people are surprised, in my brain, I always thought you were a rock star. That's what <laughs> I always thought this this guy was like some kind of rock star, and then he decided mm, I'm gonna build, I'm gonna build AKs just for fun. <laughs> Well, you know what changed that whole rock star thing was my children. Okay. Uh, my, you know, I was still involved in, you know, when I met my, met, when I met Karen and married her, you know, in the first year we were married and then, uh, it was, you know, we were struggling. I was working as an electrician during the day and, and trying to do the music thing at night. And, uh, then when our second son was born, it's like, no, this just ain't right. I have to, I have to focus on them now. It's not me anymore. Um, uh, you know, at the time I was getting, I think I was 32 when I decided to, to pack it up you know mm -hmm. and uh you know like, like i said i had a budding you know I had a, I had a good electrician career at that time so i just you know focused on doing that and raised my family and then uh you know what over the over the years when the, as the kids grew you know rd became my next passion i wanted to do a you know some sort of gunsmithing gun building thing whatever and that's what we ended up doing but now that i had more time on my hands um you know, and I, I, frankly, I got a little bit more money in my pocket now than I did when I was a starving musician in my 20s. So I kind of like, wow, all those guitars I wanted back then, I can buy now. Right. You know? and, and then, except except the, some of them are more and more expensive. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of them I still can't buy because they're they're a lot of the guitars I wanted back in the 80s are now considered elect collector's items and they're like five, five, six figures, some of them, you know, mm -hmm. and uh, I'll never own guitars like that. But I was fortunate to meet a good friend of mine named Matt Flaherty, who owns Texas Toast Guitars in Arvada, Colorado. OK, you know, that's not funny. Texas Toast Guitars in Arvada, Colorado. But he's from Texas, so he claims. Uh -huh. <laughs> but he's actually one of my customers. And, uh, you know, we did a gun for him a couple of years ago. And uh, when he found out I was uh, kind of getting back into music, he says, dude, don't buy no don't buy no goofy guitars like that let me build you something so he built me a really nice double neck that's what i okay. wanted was a really nice double neck and uh man it was just beautiful so since then he's built me two more i've got a third one coming here pretty soon and then there's two more in the works after that so okay you know, can so we get to have all those cool guitars that i never could afford when i was a kid yeah you know? absolutely and i know that you're into creativity because and i have this i just moved jim but th this is me anyway i'm going to show you something you probably remember this Boom. Does this thing look familiar to you? It does. Yep. Yeah. So you're very, by the way, it's still in the plastic. If anyone who knows me, uh, I'm the kind of person who always keeps everything in the plastic. Uh, That's beautiful. But, thanks, for have, thanks for having that. You, you yeah. know that means a lot to me, Hank. 
I know, I know it does, man. I know it does. And, and it means a lot to me as well. You, you sign this and everything. The reason why I'm showing it is I know that you're a very creative or artistic, uh, you know, leaning kind of person. Can we look forward to seeing the, uh, the mixture of an AK and a guitar sometime here? Can we, you mean like a, 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 a an actual guitar that shoots? Uh, I'm, I'll be totally happy with that, but you know, I mean, I'm not, not going to complain to you or anything. But I, I, I got to admit, I have thought about it. Um, I just don't know if it would be possible to make it do both things. Um, hmm. One of the coolest one I've seen there was a guy, um, Denestra, I think it's called. If you if you search it, you'll find it on Google. But he took a like a cheap Japanese guitar or something like that and cut cut away a bunch of it and just left the basic center section of it that would still mm-hmm. work. And then okay. built some stuff around it. And it actually did a pretty cool job of making it look like an AK. And it actually worked as a guitar. You couldn't shoot it, of course. But, you know, me, I'm not one that wants to try to do something somebody else has already done. I want to try to do something different. Mm-hmm. Kick so, it up a notch. Yeah, I want to try to kick it up a little bit. So it's either going to be an AK that looks like a guitar. And maybe the guitar will work. Or it might be a guitar that looks like an AK and maybe it'll shoot. Uh huh. Okay. But it needs to do both of the things. They won't do both yeah. good. There's no way. Okay. But yeah. Yeah. I might yeah. be able to get them to do both things kind of half ass. I don't know. Right. We'll right. <laughs> there may there may be some way to do that. Please. I mean, I can't play guitar or anything, but I still want one. <laughs> so I built a few AK lamps over the years with you know busted you know old shitty parts that weren't no good anymore. Oh, what? I don't even know what happened to those. I wish I would have kept them. I think gave them away to people over the years. Oh man. Okay. Yeah, that would be awesome. Also, you know, anything like that. Uh, wasn't there? What was the movie? Um, I think there was there was this movie where the guy. I think it was was it Once Upon a Time in Mexico. There were a couple of movies where the guy played the guitar. But he uh, he was like an assassin or something like that. I think it had Antonio Banderas in it. Oh, I rem- I think I remember that movie. Yeah, he, he kept yeah. a gun in his guitar case or something. Yeah, in the guitar case or something like that. But I know I know you're talking about way 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 above that. Um, so let's see. Uh, Armament and Axis says I didn't know Jim played guitar until I seen his Facebook post. Ask him when he started to play. How long has he played? And what are your preference in amps? So and amps, he said. Yeah, amps. Yeah. Um, well, I started playing guitar when I was a very young kid. You know, I was kind of a shut-in when I was a kid, and um, I managed to acquire a guitar in the '60s. And uh, I think I was—I don't know what how old I was sometime in there—but um, the first Led Zeppelin album that came out, and that was what really got me into music. And I think I sat in my mom's basement for probably two years learning how to play guitar with that album. Mm. And. Uh, just, why were you, know, you why were you a shut in as a kid at that age? I just really didn't I, I preferred it that way. I lived in a small town. I didn't really, you know, I didn't really get along with people very well. Uh, no, no kidding. I was better off by myself. Okay. Know? All right. Yeah. A little into a little bit introverted. Yeah, somewhat. Oh, okay. All right. Cool. Um let's say I'm a late bloomer. Late bloomer. <laughs> okay. Um but yeah, I mean I I, I did that. I did that for a long while. I basically taught myself how to play guitar, which is probably one of the reasons I was never really a super good guitar player because I taught myself a lot of bad habits that are hard to change. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that's, that's one of the things that happens. Okay. I see uh Warsaw Patriot says I knew rifle dynamics and Jim Fuller when I came across the AK 47 antidote break. I think someone else told me just uh, said the same thing. I bought one and I love it. So a uh, bunch of thumbs ups to you for the antidote. 
Actually, that was Lenny Bolton that designed that. Okay. Uh, for Venom Tactical. Uh, and, the, you know, he designed the gas block that we used early on, too. We have a new one now that we use instead of it. But um, uh, Lenny's a longtime friend of mine, and he's actually a, he was actually in the automotive business. He's a fuel air master. He used to be the guy that did all the – he worked for K&N um, products and most all the high-end, high you know, high-performance products that K&N oh, put the, out and designed. Yeah, yeah like the, the, those are the airflow guys, right? Yeah. Yeah. So he's very, very talented on that kind of stuff. So, you know, when it came time to, I mean, he was actually in business building sniper rifles at that time. And uh, so I talked to him about some of the stuff I wanted and I wanted to do a muzzle break. And Lenny's kind of an interesting guy because he's very scientific about what he does. When he decided he wanted to make a muzzle break, he says, okay, I want four or five different guns and I'll meet you at the range. So I brought out various different AKs, um, everything from a, um, from an AKM to an RPK type of thing and uh, different styles. And, uh, he brought accelerometers and a computer and he mounted accelerometers on the buttstock of the gun on the handguard. And he put one somewhere else. I can't remember what it was. And he basically said, had me shoot the gun and he was measuring the felt recoil from all the different accelerometers. And so he took this data, went back to his house, sat down and figured out what a good muzzle break would be. And he came up with what he called the antidote. And, uh, you know, he, he always named his stuff after snakes being venom tactical, you know, so it was always oh, okay. a snake connotation, you know, right. Um, so that's where the antidote came from. It was an antidote for bite. Um, and that thing worked incredibly well, really, in my opinion, almost too good on some, he drove the muzzle down as opposed to just stopping it. And some guns, you kind of had to want it to rise a little bit or you get low shots because it was driving the muzzle down. So it is a very, very effective break because it was designed by somebody who knows fuel and air. Mm -hmm. And he did it in such a scientific way. I've never seen a break that's as effective as that break. Yeah. It was expensive and extremely loud. Mm -hmm. um, but, uh, and actually, I don't even think he makes it anymore. Um, you know, there's so many other things that have come on the market now. And, and you know, basically what killed that was, you know, people running suppressors on AKs. Everybody wants a, a, a device that will support a suppressor now. Yeah. So I, most of the guns that go out of our shop now all have some kind of suppressor device on them because people are planning on doing that. You know? Oh, okay, cool. I mean, and isn't that how we got the suppressor? Didn't that come? Uh, that came from the same folks that designed the mufflers, right? So yeah, I mean, a suppressor is basically just a muffler, you know. Mm -hmm. But I mean, the antidote. Our work with suppressors didn't have a whole lot to do with Lenny so much. It was mainly, you know, we worked with Lenny early on. Our work was after that when we teamed up with Silencer Co. About I think it was about five years ago. That's when we first started getting into it and trying to figure out how to really tune an AK to work with the suppressor. And uh, it's it's worked out pretty well for us. We can make a gun run pretty damn nice with the suppressor on it now. You don't taste no gas. It's just, uh, you know, our new gas block helped that a lot, too. We, we, we swapped out from the Venom gas block, and we designed our own now that's adjustable. And it has an adjustable sight, just like the regular AK, because some people couldn't seem to figure out how to file the old sight. Mm -hmm. um, or that was a problem for them. I don't know. But, uh, yeah. The new one has a fully adjustable sight, just like every other AK. And uh, it's also gas adjustable as well. Okay. So, yeah, that's um, that's cool. Next step, Jim, integrally suppressed AK rifles. I've thought about it, but I don't like the idea of it because of the way the AK is supposed to work. If you start making that gun a little too rigid, it's not going to have the reliability it should have. If you okay. ever look at an AK under high-speed video, mm -hmm. the whole thing is like a – when it fires, it's almost like a snake. It's, yeah, it warps like that. Oh, exactly, exactly. Yeah. Mm -hmm. you know? And uh, it's um, if you try to when you intricately suppress something like that, you're talking about attaching, you know, a big object around the whole gun. Which you're gonna, you're gonna, what's gonna happen is it's gonna 
have a tendency to limit that flex in there. Mm. I mean, there's probably ways to do it. I know um, there, there's been people that have done it in the past and, uh, you know, with, with differing results, you know, uh, and, you know I doubt you're ever going to get it to be like an MP5 SD just because it's not <laughs> around. You know? Yeah. <laughs> but you know, that's a good point. Why are you being all sensible, Jim? <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know. I'm going to roll that way. Yeah. <laughs> okay. That's a good point. That's a good, you know what? That is really, you know, I didn't even think about that. I know that for me personally, I really like integral guns, but yeah, when you said that, I was like, oh yeah, this might be an issue. So it'll be interesting to see uh, the work that goes into developing something like that. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's something, it's something I wouldn't mind trying to do. It's not on our plate right now. Um, I, you know, with all the other stuff we got going right now, I just don't, we just probably wouldn't have the time to do it. My T and E work is, he's a lot of my time as it is. And, mm-hmm. uh, mm-hmm. something like that, you're talking about a whole front end redesign and, you know, it, it's possible and something we may look at someday, but you know, I don't plan on spending too many more years doing this and I got a pretty full plate right now. You know? Okay. Understood. Um, now along the lines, those same lines, um, Joe Morse wants to know if you still do the AK builders class. Oh yeah. Yep. We okay. Do. All right. We have uh, three or four scheduled this year. Okay. And, uh, they, uh, it's a two and a half day class. We just changed the format. We were doing a two day class and we just moved it to two and a half days. We started out originally doing it two and a half days and we shortened it to two days and started taking in less. But we, you know, we, we, it, we still had a problem servicing everybody. So we've gone back to the two and a half day format and we're taking up to 15 people in the class now instead of 10, like we used to do in two days. So it's, uh, it's still basically the same class. You know, everybody does everything they need to do. They get to go out and test fire the guns. We, on, on the final day, we go to the range to, uh, to do all the test firing of the guns. And then it's, at the same time we're out there, we do a lot of, uh, the students all get to experience the different AK variants and PKM and whatever else we got out there for them to sample. So they get a really good uh, overall view of the AK is not just building the AK, but the history of the AK, the variants of the AK and all the things that go along with it to see so leave there with a pretty well-rounded exposure to the AK in general. Okay. All right, cool. Um, there's a ton of shout outs going out to you, Jim. Um, I see Razor JB shouted you out, but someone deleted it. I'm not sure why, why that is. Maybe because he cursed. He cursed. So I don't know. Yeah. I mean, it's Jim Fuller. So in case you don't, part of the rock star thing is there was a little bit of cursing going on there, Jim, right? Or in retirement, have you retired cursing? I've tried to cut it back a little bit. <laughs> okay. You know, um, I, I, I still drop a few F-bombs every now and then, but mm-hmm. You know, um, I don't own the company anymore, and the people that do want me to be a little bit more respectful, and I don't have a problem with that. You know, mm-hmm. yeah. uh, I, I'm a little bit unfiltered as well, I'm a lot unfiltered as it is, and yeah. uh, you know, and as you know, it's it, you know that can be good in some cases, and it can be bad in some cases too. Yeah, but, you know, I, I'm under contract with people now, and if they want me to do things a certain way, that's what I'm going to do. Yeah. You know what? First of all, there's an art to cursing. Right. And I think some people overdo it Mm -hmm. and just put that in everything that they do. But there is a certain art like there is to everything else. Yeah. I used uh, I've learned that using language, certain language sparingly is definitely makes a point better sometimes than just using it ridiculously. 
Yeah, so I'm willy-nilly just throwing it. <laughs> yeah, just slapping people around with it. A little bit. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I do. I understand. I understand. Okay, so let me see. I'm I'm just trying to get a couple of questions in here from people. Uh, Midnight Range TM wants to know what's the radius AK someone has brought you, and um and and said make this AK awesome. Um. Well. I would say probably the worst built AK I've seen was in a build class that we did in Oklahoma. And one of the students brought a gun in. He had actually attended or he tried to attend a build class somewhere else. I don't know where I'm not going to get into that. Um, but I guess the guy, uh, it was kind of flaky, but he brought the gun that he got out of the build class. And man, really, it, it was horrible. I mean, I asked the guy, I said, did you shoot this yet? And he says, no, I haven't. The guy told me that I should shoot it from the hip the first time I shot it just to make sure everything was safe. So I was kind of reluctant about shooting it. <laughs> yeah, that's probably a good idea. The yeah, front, I, mean, I would be scared for my hip in that case. <laughs> the front trunnion has six rivets in it. This one only had three of them installed and they were horrible. Oh, wow. Okay. And, uh, I mean, I could go on and on, but it's just, I would never stop. We would waste an hour talking about everything that could have been wrong with this gun. Mm -hmm. And it's not something you would even try to fix. Most of the parts were not even usable because the guy just didn't know what he was doing. And he was offering this in a class. Mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. this is uh, kind of one of the reasons we started doing the class in the first place, because a lot of people think they know how to do this stuff. And, and, and I've said it many times, the AK is such a wonderful design that it can be built horribly wrong and still work for a little while yeah i mean because supposedly the legend is is that dudes are building these up in caves and making them out of shovels and stuff right well yeah i mean there's there's actually a there's a video uh, where a guy actually took a coal shovel and flattened it out and made a flat out of it and punched all the holes out of it and made a working ak out of it i mean it wasn't heat treated and it's not going to last very long but yeah it's it's such a brilliant design that it can be slammed together in some of the most horrendous ways it's just whether it will be the legendary you know, renowned AK that everybody knows, uh, not likely, especially with some of the ways we've seen people build these things. Yeah. And I think when it comes to building like anything, um, you know what? I know there's certain things you can build really easy, right? Like ARs can go together relatively easy, still ways mm -hmm. you can mess that up. But the thing is, is that it's one thing for you to put something together here or there. But if, if you get into the business of making stuff, it really takes a long time to come along and start making those things properly, especially when you're making them en masse. So, well, yeah, that's, that's very true. I mean, um, learning the process for one and then perfecting the process to where you can repeat it mm -hmm. and then re perfecting the process to where you can repeat it enough to be productive, you know, and, mm -hmm. and put out the material. See, that was one of the th problems I had early on was why we were so backwater because we just couldn't do the work fast enough. Um, you know, and, and again, that's that's all that's all changed now. And, and that's what the influx of money and things will do for you. You know, I mean, we built everything on cash flow back in the day. It's a whole different story now. So, yeah. Uh, I mean, because where do you cut corners? <laughs> you know, <laughs> I don't believe in it. Yeah. Know? Yeah. I mean, I know there's places that people choose to do it. But if you're doing it on this level, where do you really do that? So. There's um, a process that you have to go through. Okay, YNH wants to know if you prefer milled or stamped. I know you get this a kajillion times. Personally, I like I I own milled receiver guns. I my, my type two in particular is a milled receiver gun. 
Mm-hmm. And I think I have a couple of Arsenal milled guns. I don't use them that much because they're heavy. Okay. I, I Did you like say you prefer them? them? Cause I think you, you, uh, you, you, you I would say, I, I got to say, I prefer a stamp receiver. Stamp, okay. I, mean, I own far more stamp receiver guns than I do milled receivers, but there's nothing wrong with a milled receiver. It's just real, it's just a little heavier. Yeah. It's, and they have a certain, you know, class and mystique about them that the stamp receiver doesn't. They have a little bit more pleasing visual to them. You know, you don't have rivets on them and stuff. They're a little cleaner looking. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Depending on country of origin or, you know, how they're built or whatever. But um, yeah. nothing wrong with them at all. I just, you know, I mean, the, the AK was originally meant to be a stamp gun. I mean, the Type 1 was a stamp gun, but it didn't work out so well because the technology wasn't quite there. So the Type 2 and the Type 3 were milled guns. And then in 1959, I believe, is when they went back to stampings with one millimeter into the AKM. And it's been that way ever since. I mean, there's probably milled guns have been produced since then, but 10 times more stamp guns because it's just what everybody uses now. Yeah. My, my limited experience, I would say what you just said, I think the milled ones look really cool. And um, if you're shooting casually, it's great. <laughs> you know, but if you want lightweight or something like that, you know. Yeah, if I got to hump that thing for eight or 10 hours with a bunch of other stuff, no, I want the lightest gun I can get. You know, yeah. I mean, at my age, I don't do a lot of humping with guns for eight or 10 hours anymore, you know, but um, it does make a difference. I mean, there's a lot of, you know, just, just a few ounces. Anybody who hikes with backpacks, they know what I'm talking about. You know, a yeah. few ounces make a huge difference in how long you can go in your stamina, you know? Yeah. So, so, uh, so going down those same lines and specifically with, with uh, milled, but even in stamped, what are the ways with an AK that you can save weight for the folks out there who, who are trying to get that balance, you know, of an AK, but save weight on it. What do you think? Um, well, with the milled receiver, I mean, that like the, the cuts you see on the front, those are lightning cuts that are done in the factory. Um, some of the sharps receivers that we, that we built on, they do a lot of other lightning cuts internally in the receivers to take some of the weight away. Cause that gun has that, that the sharps receiver has a little bit more mass because of the M4 receiver on the back of it. So it's got a little bit more mass to it than other ones. So they found other places to remove metal and it ends up weighing the same as a standard uh, milled receiver, even okay. with the mass on the back. Cause they took out a lot of stuff in the rear end and the front and a few other places where they, wherever they could cut without, without hurting the structure of the gun. You know? Okay. And okay. on a stamp gun, you know, the stamp receiver is pretty light to start with. I mean, if you want to lighten up a stamp gun, that's what we started doing originally was, you know, lightening up the front ends of the guns. And that's what, you know, our whole design is based on. Basically, what everybody else in the world does now, too, is, you know, a shortened front end with a pin device and a, and a combination front sight gas block of some sort. You know, we've been doing that for a long time, mainly because we knew it would take a pound off the front of the gun. It makes it much faster handling. And, you know, it's, it's just something we figured out a long time ago. And, uh, okay. So... Okay, let me see. I'm going to hit a few more here, and then I'm going to go into some of my own stuff. Uh, Eric Schultz wants to know, could we ever see an AK in 243 or a new 308? Probably not from us. Um, that's quite a bit of um, re-engineering and stuff to do something like that. Uh, most of the 308 AKs that I've seen seem to have mag issues. Um, there's not really a good mag to support them. Um, I played with Saiga 308s quite a bit, but you know, years ago when they were around and, uh, you know, other than the Saiga mag, I mean, there may be something out now cause you know, I haven't touched Saiga since they stopped importing them, but, um, we could never really find a decent mag, um, for those guns that, you know, that wouldn't wear out like the plastic mags that came with them. They worked well, but they, they wore out you know, mm-hmm. they were plastic and the bullet guide was actually built into the front of the, the mag on those guns. So it took a lot of pounding and after a while, those mags were no good. Um, okay. I tried modifying foul mags to fit them and it was just, it, you had to cut too much of the mag away to make it work. And 
kind of the issue with that. I mean, the, the, the 308 Siegas, I think, were just a reverse engineered 762 gun that they did what they could do to make it happen. You know, okay. it wasn't really designed around that cartridge, you know, as in like the, the, the Dragon off and the 54R. You know, okay. It's not an AK. It's completely different. Right. Right. Uh, shooting Gallery Northeast wants to know what's your opinion on the C39 V2 or the Visca rifles conflicts? They are, and I'm going to use the term that Century usually uses. They are guns built to a price point. Okay. And uh, they uh, they're meant for the mass market. They can't afford something better. Um, and frankly, that's what most AKs in this country sold are the, the AKs well under $1,000, like the six $700 range AKs. There's far more of those sold than anything else. Cer- certainly more than what we sell. I mean, we have, you know, we have a niche market type of thing as well as a few other guys who are doing it too. Um, but the, the mass produced AKs like that, I mean, IO, I believe is out of the business now, which is good. Um, sorry, but everybody knows. Um, are they, are they out of the business? I heard they stopped making AKs. Um, okay. I haven't seen anything on the internet about them lately, so I, I don't know. I think they're doing something else now. Okay. Uh, Century is still is still attempting to do stuff. I mean, you know, I've said this on on several interviews too that the the problem with you know building a high quality AK here is forged parts. It costs a lot of money to build forged parts, and uh, they're trying to do things in other ways, and that's why it generally doesn't live up to the legendary reliability and dependability and longevity of the AK because they're just not made the same way. But they're, again, they're built to a price point to satisfy the guy who frankly probably won't wear the gun out. I mean, I've seen a lot, there's a lot of internet guys who'll go and get one of these guns and go, I'm going to put a torture test on this thing and I'm going to show you it's a piece of shit. It's like, well, yeah, you can do that. You can run the gun until it breaks, but you know, they put 5,000 rounds through a gun and it breaks. Okay. It broke. How many people really put that much ammo through their gun? Mm-hmm. especially people that can only afford a six, a $600 gun. They're probably yeah. not buying ammo by the case. Yeah. What does 5,000, uh, what does 5,000 rounds cost? 762. Well, 762, that would be, it's roughly 250 for a thousand rounds. So, okay. You know, <laughs> so there you go. Chunk of money. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So your average guy that buys a gun like that, he's, he's really the guy that's probably not going to shoot it near as much as somebody like me or a lot of our customers who train a lot, shoot, shoot almost every weekend. I mean, they, they, they go to the range and they put a 500 or a thousand rounds for their gun every time they go to the range. Yeah. This is not going to work for them. You know? Yeah. I think that's the difference that people don't understand. Are you the casual user? Are you the guy that just wants to have an AK because you think it's cool or you want to have one in your arsenal, so to speak? Or are you the guy that actually goes out there and trains? I've been I've done training. Um, I know the last time I did some training with Reed, there was a guy with an AK iron sights. He was kicking everyone's ass. You know, uh, that that's not unusual. You know? <laughs> I, I, I love to tell this story and I'm going to tell it. I don't I don't get a chance to tell it on videos too much, but I, I taught I taught um, for front sight for the first five years. They were open. And oh, okay. uh, and uh, I remember in the first in the first few months, they were open there. Um, one of the staff meetings, the owner was bitching at the rifle instructors because nobody had got a DG. None, none of the students in the class had been able to score high enough to get a distinguished graduate score. So he was giving them hell, you know, you got to do a better job. You got to get your students up better. You got to get your scores up, blah, blah, blah. Okay. So the other, th- the other side of the story is too, is that was a very M4 centric school. I don't mm-hmm. know if it still is. I haven't been out there since 03, but um, in those days we were told if somebody came with an AK to try to disqualify the gun and, and have them use one of our M4s because they really weren't, 
prepared to teach AK, really. Okay. Um, it was, you know, it was an M4-centric school. I get that. There's a lot of places like that. You know, and they wanted everybody running M4s because that's what they teach. Mm-hmm. And uh, one day, um, a guy showed up, and he had an SAR2 and 545. And the standard things they used to use to disqualify a gun wouldn't work on this gun. This gun was in good shape. It worked well. There was no, there was no reason to disqualify the gun. And the guy has insisted on using it, so he used it. And he was the first distinguished graduate at Frontsight. Wow. Yeah. Now, here's the thing, though. Here's the thing that people have to realize. You can't go buy an AK right now and become that guy. No, you have to learn how to do stuff. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's, you know, the gun doesn't make the man. You know, no. the man makes the gun. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. And you want to train. You want to train on the platform. You know, if you think it just could with any platform, right? Mm-hmm. Really, well, you know, I, I was having this discussion today with one of the guys in the shop. And, uh, you know, with all this stuff now, you see a lot of video training on the Internet and stuff now. And a lot of people take advantage of that. And the guys that can benefit from that take that information. Maybe they take that video on the phone with them to the range and they watch that video and they practice those skills live right there while they're watching the stuff and they spend the time learning the muscle memory. They're going to get something out of that. Mm-hmm. They're probably going to do pretty good as if they went to a live class, you know, with a, with a, with a, with a you know, live instructor there showing you exactly how to do it. I personally prefer working with a live instructor as opposed to videos because I'm a hands-on guy. Um, you know, I can't get what I need out of a video, but that seems to be a big thing these days. And a lot of people are watching videos and going, okay, I know that now, but they haven't actually tried it. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I mean? No, no, it's, okay. So this goes back to a weird thing. I always tell people my personal belief, you know, there's the saying knowledge is power. Um, knowledge is what? I'm sorry. No, people always say knowledge is power, right? Oh yeah. 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 I don't believe that the knowledge itself is power. You can have that knowledge in the book. If you don't take the book, read the book, apply it, fail, figure out how to succeed at doing it, and then repeat that. Like you just said, you don't have power. Yep. Yep. There's a, there's actually a, a level of competence lecture. And this, I learned this actually out of Frontside. They were the ones that used to use this. And it's actually pretty good. Um, the levels of competence of anything that you can learn. This doesn't apply to shooting. It applies to any, any skill that you could learn, whatever it may be. And that's the lowest level being the unconsciously incompetent it means that they don't know enough to know what they don't know. Okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, wait, say, that again. say that again, Jim, for me, uh, unconscious incompetent. Is that unconsciously incompetent, meaning okay. they don't know enough to know how much they don't know. Mm, very okay. good. That should be on a t-shirt. <laughs> well, I, I, this is actually good. That's why I remember mm-hmm. that one of the things I learned there that I, I, I thought was really valid. And then the next level would be the consciously incompetent. And this is actually the best level to be at because this is where the guy learns the most because he has constantly realized that he needs to learn. Mm, He's no no longer unconsciously incompetent. He knows he's incompetent and needs to get better. Mm -hmm. And that's usually where most students will progress the most is when they're at that that stage. Mm -hmm. And then following that stage, you get the consciously competent where you know how to do it. You've practiced it, but you still kind of have to think about it to get it right. And then the ultimate level being the unconsciously competent which um, means that you just perform. You don't think about it. You look, you see what you need to do. You get it done. You're not thinking about where's my sight picture. How's my body stance? What am I doing? You know, you just make it work. You know, kind of like I like to equate it to, you know, driving a stick shift and working a clutch. You don't think about pushing in the clutch or working the stick shift. You just do it because you've done it so many times. Well, if you're not a millennial, 
Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. If you are, you only know how to call Uber. <laughs> but you follow me though. I do. You know what? I I think I would love to see someone put that on a graph because I would love to blow that up. What you just said applies to everything in life. Yeah, everything that you can learn that applies to it. It's a really good concept to, to judge yourself at how good you really are at something. Mm-hmm. You know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I'm going to go back. I'm going to go back and listen to my own show <laughs> and write all of that down. And then figure I'll, out I'll write it in an email for it and send it to you. <laughs> yes, please do. Seriously, I'm not even kidding because I think, you know, I'm always trying to tell my kids, um, you need to learn how to be deliberate, you know, and 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 then then you can repeat things. You need to learn how to, if you're trying to do something, you want to be successful, you know, figure out how to do it and figure out how to repeat that. But I think you, you know, you put it in a, in a lot better way. So, well, like I said, that, that, you know, the, the, the levels of competency is, is a great lecture that really applies, like I said, to anything that any skill that you would learn, you know, and mm-hmm. uh, I'll, I'll write it out and I'll email it to you so you can do what you need with it. You know? Absolutely. Thanks. Okay. Let's see. I'm going to take like a couple more here. Warsaw Patriot wants to know if you ever use a WPB Polska. Um, slash Poland AK parts. Um, uh, we've had, we, I think we bought some of that stuff in to check it, but there was really nothing there that we can't get out of a standard kit and the parts that we already use. You know, um, okay. I uh, that stuff is probably okay. I don't know how I don't know how much hammer forging is done there. How much is castings? Um, we prefer to stick specifically with parts kits where we know exactly where they came from and what the origin of those. And even a lot of those parts kits, we end up, you know, dumping a lot of the parts that aren't up to our spec, but, um, the, uh, I haven't messed with that stuff because really they just, you know, there's, we use mostly Romanian parts kits or Bulgarian parts kits, depending on the caliber. And, uh, that's where we like to be. That's a spec that we like. And you know, that, that other stuff I'd rather just be proven by somebody else. I don't want to sell that stuff to my customers and I don't have time to tee any, frankly. Okay. Yeah, makes sense. Um, and Eric Schultz wants to know if there are any uh, real AK gunsmiths in South Florida that you can recommend. I don't know. Oh, man, I don't, you know, um, you know, I I don't recommend a whole lot of people because I don't like to. Somebody will say, "Well, how come you didn't say me?" Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I I mean, there's there's a couple of guys that if I couldn't build a gun or I needed it done, I would call. And the one is Vin, is Vince Knuckles. Mesa Kinetics, Vince Buckles, um, guy's a phenomenal guy. Tim Courtney's a pretty good guy. Troy Sellers over at InRange. You know, these guys have been doing this stuff for a while. They know how to do it. They know how to do it properly. Mm-hmm. And, uh, now, of course, I don't think any of those guys are in Southern Florida. No, um, I know. But- I know that Walter that does stuff with me, who's in Florida, he does. He, um, Troy builds stuff for him, you know, when he has something that needs to get put together and stuff like that. Troy, so Troy's a good guy. He's been in the game a long time and he knows his stuff. I've, I've talked with him about stuff quite a bit. I don't know. I haven't met him in person, but mm-hmm. he's a sharp guy and he's been around a long time. You know? Yeah. How is there a way that you could figure this out on your own? Like, is there any advice you can give someone maybe like with a mechanic? Let's say, for example, if you go, how can you tell quickly whether this is a good mechanic or not? Is there a way to figure out whether someone's a good AK builder or not? Question their AK knowledge, you know, uh, try to do a little research on your own and question their knowledge about how they build, what they build, what, what kind of parts they use. Um, Cause like I said, there's, there's, there's all levels of builds going on. And you know, the, the AK industry has gotten to a size now where you have a lot of people wanting to jump in because they see money. 
You know, there's money to be made. I mean, the first few years we were in it, we didn't make shit. I mean, we, we never really made a lot of money anyhow because it cost us a lot of money to do what we do. Uh, but it's gotten to the point now where you can, you know, guys that know very little can kind of jump into this game now, throw a gun together and get out there and sell a few and make some money doing it. Um, now, some of these guys may be doing it okay. Some of them probably not. Yeah. So you kind of got to just be careful with that. I mean, really, the best I can say is go with the people that, you know, do your search on, do your, you know, do your due diligence, do a search on who does good builds, read the reviews, you know, uh, who has longevity, who's been around for a long time and still doing it successfully. Yeah. Uh, look at other, look at, you know, at look bottom at, line, don't just look for the cheapest price because there's yeah. guys out there going, I'll build your gun for a hundred bucks. Don't count on that being very good. Yeah, absolutely. Look at things that they've already done. Yep. That's very, very important to do. With all the people getting into it right now, that's probably about the best device I can offer, you know? Mm -hmm. Give me okay. some references, you know, has anybody ever reviewed your stuff? I don't know. You know, it, it, it's hard to say, you know, when we started, there wasn't a whole lot of people in this game, you know, and we just built and did what we could do, you know, but it's it, over the last, you know, 12, 13 years, it's really grown into quite an industry here. I mean, we're not, but the AK industry is pretty valid now. Yeah. And that's, that's a good thing. Um, Walter Williams gave us a couple of bucks. He says he wants Jim to lay hands on his Vepper. Um, you know, dude, I, I guess you get a lot of requests like that. Do you just lay hands on stuff? <laughs> well, the, the Vepper, we actually, we don't do much with Vepers because there's really not a whole lot you can do with them. It's a pretty damn, damn nice gun out of the box. You know, I'm kind of excited right now because a friend of mine in California who has a store out there. He, uh, uh, called me up yesterday and said that, hey, um, I've got a Vepper 12-gauge shotgun sitting here, and I can't sell it here. They're illegal. Um, you want it? Wow. Going, uh, yeah. <laughs> you know, I mean, I don't have a, <laughs> a don't have an AK pattern 12-gauge anymore. So, okay. Um, and I personally think that the Vepper is probably the best one there is. Um, okay. Yeah, I was going to ask you if you guys do, if you do the um, the 12-gauge, do you do the 12-gauge stuff at all? Um. Um, we did one, we've done a few for friends of ours, you know, but again, there's not a whole lot you can do to the gun that, I mean, we'll shorten the barrels on them if they want an SBS. Mm -hmm. uh, but that gun is a pretty damn nice gun right out of the box. You know, okay. uh, I mean, when I get, when I get the one I got, it's got an 18 inch barrel on it. When I get the one I kind of probably only I'm going to do is shorten the barrel on it, load it up and stick it next to my bed. Really? You know? That's it. You wouldn't, there, there's well, nothing. I'm going to go out and shoot it and make sure it runs well. Right. But, right. Uh, there's not much you need to do to those guns. They're pretty nice. Just like they are. Okay. All right. Good advice. Good advice. I might, I might have one of those. <laughs> so chop the barrel first thing. Yeah. I'd, I'd probably that. down to about a 14 inch length to make it handy in the house, you know, okay. and, okay. Uh, you know, and still have some barrel left there. Um, and we'll see how it goes. It's, it's, it's a gun that I wasn't expecting. I'm going to get it. I'm going to do something with it. And Hey, what the hell? You know? Yeah, absolutely. Fred, thank you for that, man. I appreciate your brother for sending that thing. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Absolutely. Okay. So, you know what, let's, let's uh, switch over here a little bit. We'll probably come back and take questions. I'm, I'm pretty sure questions can come in hot and heavy for a while here. So now I think this was a couple of weeks ago, you posted a video, Jim, you know, where you asked the world, the gun world, mm -hmm. the question, mm -hmm. <laughs> do you know what I'm talking about? <laughs> I know exactly what you're talking about. And somebody yeah. tried to make a big deal out of it. Like I wasn't fucking a patriot or something. 
Yeah. So so for anyone who doesn't know about this, I'm, I'll start it off. You can explain exactly where you where you were going with it. From the way that I saw it, you were asked you wanted to ask people. I remember you said in your video, think about this. I know everyone's going to get mad, but I want you guys to actually think about this and, and ask yourself the question. Are you ready for this much freedom? Um, and I think you were talking in terms of are, are, are we ready for folks out there to have access to, uh, you know, for example, when machine guns, you know, if they came off the NFA and all that, everyone could have access to machine guns. Are we really ready for that? Uh, am I wrong in my interpretation? No, that's exactly what I said. And if I could rephrase the question now, I probably would. I thought the way I qualified the question before I said it was enough to tell people. I mean, I've clearly said in that video that I would love to see the NFA go away. My point of view is, is it's just not going to happen in this day and time. You have too many people. It's a numbers game, you know, and, and what I was looking for in that post was just to kind of get a general consensus of what people actually thought was the right way to go about it. And we got a lot of interest. We got a lot of interesting comments in there that really made a lot of sense. in the fact that, you know, it, when you're looking at NFA stuff, you're looking at machine gun suppressors and short barreled rifles and shotguns. Mm-hmm. So with the with since the um, since the arm brace has come along, SBRs are almost a no brainer. It should be no problem at all to get that taken off the NFA. Sure, in a, in the, in a it's pretty world. easy to convince somebody that a suppressor is nothing more than the muffler on your car. Absolutely, you know? I mean, certain I mean, countries demand that. You know, I can honestly see that we could go and incrementally take those things back from the NFA. Right now, our society the way it is. If we tried to say get rid of the NFA, I think we would do more damage to ourselves than we would help ourselves because it's not going to happen for one thing. You're not going to convince the politicians sitting there right now to let people have machine guns. Anybody who doesn't believe that is not living in reality. You mm-hmm. know. So what mm-hmm. my thought is, is look at it in a more incrementally way to do it. You know, you, you, you get a lot of vibrato from people saying, I'll go to war with the government. Well, I spent some time at ben Bundy Ranch. Mm-hmm. That's something people might want to experience before they think they want to do it. There's a lot of romantic people out there that think, yeah, I'm going to die in a pile of brass. Um, and frankly, if that's all I got left, I'll say that too. Mm-hmm. But the reality is how many people would really do that? Yeah, I, I think I think that was part. I think that was part of what you were going for. That check there. Um, I think it came across. I know even from from my point of view, it came across a little bit like, "Hey, are you ready for the terrorists to just be able to go out there and walk into a store and buy a machine gun and then go do whatever they want to do?" Well, you're going to get that. Yeah, yeah which that's yeah. going to happen. You know, bad guys don't care. But back, I mean, and my my um, my response to that whole thing is, do the bad guys really care about the laws? You know, no, it's like, we're, yeah, we're facing the bump stock ban right now. Um, and personally, I think that it's if it's not the end, I, it's def, it's not this. The bump stock ban is not the beginning of the end for sure. Right. But if it's not the end, it's very close to the end because of, of this thing. I don't think anyone really realize, realizes what's going on. So if we think that um, suppressors are going to come off the NFA, we're going to repeal the Hughes and all that kind of stuff, at the same time that you have a Republican in the White House, and they and between the Republicans and the NRA, they asked for a bump stock ban, and now we have that. And the Supreme Court, I think someone was just saying it here in the chat, Supreme Court's not even going to put a stay on that thing, right? That where the ATF can just make a ruling 
this thing that we've looked at several times before, we don't think it comes anywhere near to being a machine gun. Now it's officially a machine gun. And there's really not a lot we can do about that. Yeah. Well, that's and that further settles my point about the fact that trying to get trying to get machine guns off the NFA right now is literally impossible because it just went in the opposite direction. And the only reason the bump stock exists is because of the ban on machine guns in the first place. Mm -hmm. I mean, really, why would it exist otherwise? You know? Yeah. So uh, the the whole finger thing, I mean, you know, anybody who knows how to really knows how to do bump stock, you know, and the belt loop, however you want to do it. uh, Yeah. What do you, what do you, before I get into it, before I start, because I could run up my mouth like Lola says, what do you think about this whole bump sock band thing? You know, it, it, it's a toy. It's stupid. Um, the media manipulated it to happen. You know, again, it, it's not going to change anything. It's just a, it's just a feel good measure to make people think that they're doing something and their life is something that's going to somehow be safer. What spurred this whole thing happened right here in my city at Mandalay Bay with that fucking wacko up there. Excuse me. With that mm-hmm. wacko up there running his. Um, that's fine. You, you labeled him completely, completely correctly. <laughs> that's one of those good uses of the word, right? Absolutely. Hell yeah. Yeah. But anyhow, you know, I mean, this dude, you know, cuts loose with a bump stock on a gun. And frankly, he probably would have done a lot more damage had he just used controlled semi-auto fire. Anybody who spent time on a range will know that. Yeah. Um, I mean, have we even confirmed that he used the bump stock? Was they that were on the guns and there was, you know, you could hear what sounded like full auto fire in, in the videos and stuff. Um, I mean, there's so much controversy about that. We can't even get a straight answer out of our own sheriff about what happened there. And I certainly don't want to speculate on it because it probably goes far beyond my knowledge. I mean, people, people say it could be a deep state thing. I don't know. And frankly, I don't want to know. All I know is it was fucking horrible. Mm-hmm. And it should not have happened. And whether the guy had a bump stock or not, doesn't make any difference because, like I said, if he was if he was actually a, a, a skilled shooter, there would have been a lot more dead bodies had he been shooting semi-auto with a, you know, with a proper trigger press and, and sight alignment and sight picture. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the bump stock thing in that opinion is really irrelevant. But the general public doesn't know any different, and they go, "Oh my God, we need to get rid of that. That's horrible. Nobody should have that." That's the mentality we have in this country right now, and it's got it didn't get that way overnight, and it's not going to change overnight. It got that way incrementally since 1932, 34, whatever it was. I get, get lost on the date there. Um, mm-hmm. But, I mean, that's been a long time, 80-some years. And you're not going to turn that around overnight. So, yeah. and then, and then, Go ahead. No, I'm sorry. No, go ahead. No, no, no. I'm, I'm listening to you. I, I don't want to, you know, I don't want to interrupt your conscious flow here. Well, I, I just, you know, the... And I don't want to I don't want to run on too long about this because, it, it, you know, one particular person needed to make some T-shirt sales. So he decided to make a big deal out of it and uh, when it really didn't need to be. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but that's all over with now and we're done. Uh, but the in, uh, in terms of the bump stock. No, you're the, talking about, about the video. OK, about the video. OK, so, yeah. you know, I, I deflected there, but uh, yeah, <laughs> I thought we were done with the bump stock. It's, uh, like I said, I personally don't have any use for them. I know they're a cool toy. I know a lot of people enjoy them. I'm sad to see that they got banned, but they got banned out of stupidity. Mm-hmm. OK, yeah. So, yeah. so let's just compartmentalize everything here. I think in terms in terms of the bump stock, you know, what's really dangerous about it is the fact that they can take something, make th- a lot of people don't realize this. When I posted about the bump stock today, someone said, well, why the hell are you worried about the bump stock? It's an accessory. That's not a gun. 
What does that have to do with the Second Amendment? Well, practically made it a gun by doing this. Exactly. Exactly, Jim. That's the that's the point that I think people don't realize. The ATF turned that accessory. It's now classified as a machine gun. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. what there's. Not only did they decide to classify it as a machine gun, they said, guess what? No one can own one of these. There's no license. You can't be a manufacturer. You can't have a letter from your sheriff. There's nothing that you can do. No one can have this anymore in America. That's a thing they haven't even done to the machine gun. Yep. Yeah, we still build them frequently. Yeah. Very controlled um, situations, obviously. Yeah. Yeah. That's the scary thing about is about that that I think a lot of gun guys don't realize. You know, me personally, I get I get the I get where people are coming from from the bump stock who've ever used one. I've I've used it several times, really horrible at it, completely goes against every other thing of shooting. Um, I'm pretty sure I could shoot, not you know, obviously not as fast um, as with that thing, but I could I could shoot pretty fast without it. And then, like you said, and even the ATF said, they know that people could simulate that using their finger, their, their, um, you know, belt loop and rubber bands, whatever. Right. Well, look, oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. And then I got a thing for you on that. Oh, go ahead. Hit me with it. Well, we have a um, competition shooter that we um, endorse here in town. His name's, believe it or not, John McLean. That's really his name. Okay. Uh, he's extremely fast. Um, he's, he's got an extremely fast trigger finger. And when we do triggers for his guns, we have to modify them because he's capable of pulling pulling the trigger faster than the mechanism is capable of working. Mm. You know, he can shoot he can shoot a semi-auto gun faster than a machine gun runs. Mm-hmm. And well, we have to modify his trigger so he can do it because that's how fast his finger got. And that's just from pure practice. That's not a machine gun. That's just a standard semi-auto rifle. But he has that kind of skill. So yeah. that kind of skill can be developed without any accessory, tool, toy, modification, whatever. Yeah. So how long, how long, and I know people are going to say, oh, that's ridiculous. But how long before they start making the steps in between um, that and you can't have any guns before they go, you know what, um, this particular person, we he shoots way too fast. <laughs> right. Or you can't uh, these. Triggers, yeah, exactly. Or these triggers. No good. You can't have those. Um, you know what? There's there's a whole bunch of people who could shoot too fast. Triggers can't you know, triggers have to exist where you can only shoot this, you know, this much in this mm-hmm. given time. Right. That they could keep taking that thing. If they could take an accessory and turn it into a machine gun, an accessory that they looked at before and said, this is not a machine gun. Mm-hmm. If they could do that, they can they can literally do that on anything. And all the politicians get to um, absolve themselves of anything because the ATF mm-hmm. could just keep ruling. And right now we have the same ATF that Obama put into um, that, you know, uh, installed. Right. Well, actually, I think they have a different director now. They did. Is that recent? Uh, I believe so. Um, I don't you know, I don't I haven't stayed up on that that much, but I believe there some things have changed there because I've actually noticed a difference in how they do things. OK, uh, since Trump took over. It's kind of there's a difference here. I don't know if anybody else has noticed it. Uh, I'd be curious to see if anybody. Is that, wants a, is that a good difference or a bad difference that you noticed? I've seen some good stuff from them. Um, I've seen some good thought where. Um, in our favor in a couple of things, a couple of different things. You know, we get these newsletters from different places where you read about this stuff. And a lot of people don't hear about these things because they're real minimal. Mm-hmm. But some of the stuff that I've seen come out of there is actually didn't seem too crazy, you know? Okay. Uh, I mean, I know that I've I mean, seen, look at the, look mm-hmm. at the, um, look at the, um, 
arm brace, for example. And the arm brace basically eliminated SBRs. Yeah. I mean, uh, yeah, people still buy SBRs and they still go through the tax stamp and this and that. But the arm brace basically is an SBR. I'm sorry. Everybody knows it. Yeah. But you know? how long before they look at the arm brace and go, yeah, we're not we're going to disallow these. Well, that goes back to what you were saying before, because, you know, again, ATF in their wisdom has said, yeah, it's an arm brace. It's not a short barreled rifle. Um, you know, I'm not going to get into that. But again, just like with the bump stock, somebody could say, oh, well, those deadly arm braces, they're make, they're what makes the gun dangerous so we have to ban those by name or whatever i don't know however they ban an inanimate object you know um, mm -hmm. it still comes down to the person holding the freaking day you know? yeah but if and if they decide to do that now you're looking at a thing that once again no one can own you can't have it um i've no i've from what i've seen my own personal experience um you know i've seen some kind of some weird things coming out from the atf you know for example walter that i think you've met before um, he's definitely uh, been there at the shop a couple of times on mm -hmm. shot show and we've done some shows, you know, they um, they came out and said something about the he makes a 50 upper that goes on an AR 15 lower. Right. Mm -hmm. And um, they came out and said, yeah, that upper has to be serialized. It's a bolt action, 50 cal mm -hmm. upper. And, you know, that's something that he's dealing with right now. I, before anyone starts asking, you well, know, that's kind of crazy because the lower is a serial numbered part. Yeah. So that is very crazy. You know, um, I'm going to have Walter is going to come on and talk to folks about that here soon before anyone starts asking us what's going on. And mm. he, he they challenged that with the ATF. But, you know, there's a lot of weird things that I think that are going to start happening and that we're getting lined up for. And if they're allowed to do this thing, when everyone's saying, what are you guys getting all crazy about this bump stock thing? It's nothing. No one likes it. It's useless. Yeah. But no, I think that people just don't know the repercussions of things like that. You mm -hmm. know? Mm -hmm. I think I think it's a very, very dangerous precedent. Um, none of our politicians have to go up there and make a bill. Vote for something. Put it into law. The president doesn't have to sign something after he said, oh, I wasn't going to do what whoever the president is. Right. Very, very dangerous thing. And people really need to think about that. And when you look at other countries, if you think that America can't be like other countries because we're America. Well, look at the states inside of America. I live in Florida and I never thought Florida was going to have gun control to the level that it has right now. Well, it, it's all changing with the with the you know the spread of socialism. I mean, when was the when was the in my life, particularly in my lifetime? I probably got a couple of decades on you, Hank. But uh, in my lifetime, the stuff I see politicians talking about today, thirty years ago, they would have been ran out of town if they talked about stuff like that. Mm -hmm. But that's the pendulum swinging, and right now it's swinging further to the left than I've ever seen it before. I mean, yeah. one of the things I like to I like to point out is that you know I was raised as a JFK Democrat, you know, John F. Kennedy, um, he was everybody's hero in the early sixties. He was a good man. You know, he had some weird shit about him. He banged other women and had drug problems and stuff, but mm -hmm. I think half the men these days have that problem too. Mm -hmm. But the, the reality is that guy, John F. Kennedy, who was a Democrat, he's could not even fit in the Republican party today. No, you know, that's how far to the left, that our society has shifted that mm -hmm. a guy who was considered a blue dog Democrat. I mean, there's almost, I think probably the only blue dog Democrat left is probably Jim Webb. 
You know, I think he's one of the few Democrats left. He ran for president last time and he got like no, they just totally ignored him because he was just not one of the guys they wanted. Yeah, it's a very weird situation we have. Even weirder that um, there's a bunch of stuff that Obama couldn't get away with. Mm -hmm. Got Trump in there. Trump is doing stuff and no (laughs) one's getting mad about it. (laughs) There's no one. The the people, the folks out there are not getting mad. You know, um, I'm a I'm an NRA guy, but I'm not very happy with the NRA. What people don't realize, most of the folks inside of the NRA are not mad about it. If Trump showed up in an NRA thing right now, they'd be cheering and, you know, just losing their minds, ripping their hair out about how awesome he is. Yet he is enacting gun control and weirdly able to get away with it. It it makes me feel like these guys won't wake up and and um, and start doing something um, until they see someone there that they could fight. For some reason, they can't fight Trump. Yeah. Well, you know, as far as the gun thing. Mm-hmm. I, I think it's we maybe want to look at changing the argument a little bit. Um, I mean, we've always based our arguments on we have the Second Amendment. It's our Second Amendment right. Well, nobody pays attention to the Constitution anymore. Mm-hmm. It's being subverted on a regular basis. It has been for years. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, you know, it, it, you can get scholarly about it, start naming a bunch of stuff. But most people know what I'm talking about. You know, there, there's, you know. You can name all kinds of things for probably just about every amendment in the Constitution. But let's look at it a little bit different. Let's look at something we call natural law. Okay. Now, when you think of the living beings on the earth, here, wherever, there's a food chain. There's animals that eat other animals. There's insects that eat other animals and eat other insects. There's animals that eat those insects. You know, it just kind of goes on the ladder. Mm-hmm. Now, we're supposed to be the top of the food chain because we have intelligence over all that. But mm-hmm. if you went one-on-one with a tiger, who's going to win? <laughs> the tiger every day if I'm not armed. <laughs> right. <laughs> if I don't have my claws and my teeth, the tiger's going to win every day. <laughs> exactly. Even, even with your claws and even with your fingernails and your teeth, you ain't a tiger. You ain't that strong. You ain't yeah. got those knives built into your hands. Right. You know? mm-hmm. um, now, being at the top of the food chain and having the intelligence to devise weaponry is why we're at the top of the food chain. Mm-hmm. Did we lose Jim? Uh-oh. Looks like he froze here. We may have to wait a little while for him to uh, come back on. If you guys are still out there, let me know. Let me know that you're out there. I think maybe we we lost Jim. It's either him or me. I'm not sure. It's you. You're frozen on here. Oh, okay. Are you on my back? Am I back? back? Okay. Yeah. Lola, if you're on the internet, get off the internet, please. I think Lola is. You can't use the internet at the same time as me. <laughs> Shut everything down, woman. <laughs> we're, we're we're in a good flow right now. <laughs> yeah, sorry about that, Jim. Sorry. Okay, go ahead. Um, you, yeah, well, I, you, I don't know where we got cut right off. The point I was trying to make is mm-hmm. that you know there are th- there are a lot of animals that are below us on the food chain that could rip us apart one on one, but because we have the knowledge to create a spear or a club or a knife or a gun. We equalize that or become top of the food chain because of that. That's natural law. That's yeah. by natural demand. That's by natural design. Mm-hmm. So why the Second Amendment is just a reaffirmation of natural law. Right. 
So if it's a natural law for natural human beings, that's the argument, not the piece of paper that says you got to obey natural law. Natural law is what it really is. Mm -hmm. And natural law says we have weapons so we can defend ourselves from people that we can't. Mm -hmm. You know, you know, you can take that. I mean, you can take out the 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 wild animal and the human and say um, a 70 year old woman gets attacked by a 25 year old street thug. Mm -hmm. If she's got a gun, she has a chance. Everybody knows that. But that's natural law Mm -hmm. because she can have that gun to protect herself from that guy who would normally rip her to pieces. You know, Mm -hmm. now hopefully she's trained and skilled and makes it happen. But, you know, I here that's kind of extreme so people understand can really get what i'm trying to talk about here the constitution is practically dead with yeah. what our politicians have done to it these days yeah and it's so just a piece of paper if, if if um if if people don't recognize it you know if they don't respect it etc it's just a piece of paper right yep yeah, and we don't respect it anymore. And and, and probably every amendment has been, every amendment in the Constitution has been violated in some way over the last several decades. I don't know. I'm not that constitutional scholarly. All I know is there's a reason why we have weapons. There's a reason why we learn how to make them. Yeah. If you if you cannot um, if you don't have anything, you can't defend. It's the best way that I could put it, like in my own words. So if you think that you're free, but you can't defend this freedom that you have, you don't have it. If you think that this car belongs to you or this house belongs to you or, you know, the money in your pockets is yours. But someone comes up to you and goes, what are you going to do for that for that money? And you you're not you can't do anything. You don't have it. You might as well give it to them. Yep. You know, that's the thing. That's what we're losing. We're losing our teeth and our claws. And if you talk to a lot of these people, these very liberal leftist people out there, they're the kind of people that if you took a cat and you said, let's declaw this cat, let's take its fangs out. Yeah. They would lose it. Right. Yep. Yeah. They would say you're cruel. You know, you're a horrible human being. You're doing this to this dog, this cat or whatever. And uh, I I agree with that. But I don't want to be declawed. Yeah, exactly. Nobody does. Yeah. I don't want to be defanged. Yep. Is that, you know, I don't want to be fixed. Yeah. That too. (laughs) Yeah. You know, so I think that that's what we're facing and really and truly we're, yeah, we're, we're really at that point where we have to realize we don't really have a second amendment because no one's respecting it. Republicans aren't respecting it. The president's not respecting it. I don't really think he's a Republican to be honest with you. Um, Obviously, they didn't support him and they don't support him. Go ahead. You froze up for a second. man. Oh, yeah. OK, sorry about that. Um, I froze up again. OK, so I don't think the president is even really a Republican. You know, no, probably not. I mean, he's from New York. You know, yeah. I, I like a lot of the stuff he's done. I voted for the dude. But I mean, look at the choice. You know, yeah. I, I voted, voted for him, for- too. I'll tell yeah. you, honestly, the last time I voted for a president that I actually wanted to win was 1992 in Ross Perot. That was the last time I voted for a president that I really wanted. Yeah. Now I'll tell you, if Dan Crenshaw decides to run for president, I'll vote for that dude. And that's a guy I want to win. That dude is amazing. And I think he's probably, I think he's probably the odds on favorite for 2024. I would say I'll go out to that right now. That dude is amazing. You know, the the way he talks and the stuff he talks about and how he carries himself, man, he's just amazing. Dan Crenshaw. Okay, I have to make myself more. I've probably heard yeah, of him. He's a congressman. He was just elected congressman. He's a former Navy SEAL. And uh, yeah. 
guys, the guy's just amazing. He's not like, he doesn't come off like a badass team guy, nothing like that. He's just a very, very intelligent, well-spoken man. Is that the gentleman that uh, lost his eye? Yeah. He wears an eye patch all the time. Okay. Right. Okay. I agree with you. Good dude. From what I've seen, you know, um, it's weird, man. It's weird. I feel like if, if there's people out there that believe in the second amendment, we're going to have to start doing something to, you know, to defend that position that there is such a thing as the second amendment, right? Or if you want to get everyone else involved, because most people out there in the world, I feel like are so comfortable and so safe um, in their lives that they're not worried about it. And the only time they're going to worry about it is when there's someone in the White House that they reasonably feel is going to do this thing to them. I, I voted for Trump myself and I never, ever voted for Obama. But I seriously believe that most of the people in America, I'm not saying everyone, so people don't get your feelings hurt. But most of the people in America who are gun guys and say they believe in the Second Amendment and the Constitution, they're waiting until there's someone up there sitting in the White House that they could hate. But for some reason, they can't see what Trump is doing to them. Yeah, it's weird. And, and I think that's a lot of the two party system there. People just mm-hmm. think, well, he's, he's a Republican, so he's got to be good. Well, the Republicans ain't our friend. They're not as bad as Democrats, but they've never really been our friends when it comes to guns. You know, no. politicians are just basically prostitutes for the most part. You know, they're they're just they're just trying to please as many people as they can and get what they can out of it. Yeah. Uh, and frankly, I think prostitution is probably a much better occupation. Yeah, I think I have more respect for the prostitutes. So, um, so, so just not to not to try to like glance over this or whatever. So go back, just go back to the video for a second. I know you said it's like all done and everything, but I think you kind of alluded that it got out of hand and and someone kind of took that out of hand. Um, I, I don't know if you want to elaborate on that. I know I responded no, I to the question. Over I don't because it's over with. Somebody. Okay. Somebody wanted to make a big deal out of it, and they did, and mm-hmm. they ended up leading it because it probably wasn't. It was pretty. It wasn't a really smart thing to do because people okay. knew what my meaning was there, mm-hmm. and, and there was probably a few people that didn't like it. And there may be a few people that that um, I think there's probably a few people that unfriended me. I don't care, but I got slammed with about fucking eighty million friends requests I'd never even seen before. I, I can't even answer them all. You know. So, and this is you're you're in the gun community, so obviously this is gun community people. Um, look, I saw your post. I can't speak for other people. I saw your post and I know other people reposted it. I reposted it. I responded to it. You know, you asked a question, you said to think about this, you know, I thought about it. I wrote down my response. I put it up there and I put, and and I reposted it. I think that part of it you wanted, right? Obviously. Um, I don't think you, you, you're Jim Fuller. So you didn't think you were going to put this up and like two people were going to look at it. No, I, I knew people would listen to it. You know, and, and it's like I had worked. I think I posted that at like six o'clock in the morning and I'd been working for four or five hours at that time. And I was just tired and I was thinking about stuff, you know, and, uh, you know, I'll, I'll tell you one of the things that drives my thoughts behind this stuff. And I mentioned it earlier is Bundy Ranch. You know, mm-hmm. I spent four or five days up at Bundy Ranch during that routine. And in my lifetime, that's well, it's, I don't know of any other armed situation where citizens face the government like that in mm-hmm. any recent history, you know, and it taught me a lot being there. Um, there's a lot of people showed up there, very well-meaning folks. Some people that probably, there was actually a couple of people that we ran out of there mm-hmm. uh, because they were scary. They were mm-hmm. freaky people that it's like, man, these people ain't right. We need to get them out of here. 
And for the record, those two people about two weeks after that shot two Metro cops in cold blood while they ate lunch. Wow. Yeah. So uh, those were the two people we picked out of there. So when you get something like this happening and you've got you had militia groups coming from all over the country there. I mean, there was a group there, I think, from from Michigan. People came up from Arizona. There were people from Texas. Um, and this is what the Second Amendment is about. People could have came up there to defend this guy because the government was doing him wrong. Now, I learned a lot from that time I spent up there. And a lot of people may not may not agree, but a lot of people weren't there and they mm -hmm. didn't see what I saw. And a lot of people that were there, I've talked to them about this and they had the same observations. And uh, one of them was during the majority of the time during the day there's news cameras out there and there's a lot of craziness going on you see a lot of guys walking around with guns and kid on mm -hmm. on the situations where in the few situations where it looked like it might get a little bit intense those guys were gone and if they were still there the guns and the gear were gone too hmm. now that sunk deep with me yeah that's pretty much like a lot of people would like to see us get into a full-scale civil war or whatever against each other it's not really going to be a pretty thing. It's not going to be nice. Not going to be romantic, right? I will tell you honestly, I prayed to God that I would never have to press the trigger on a federal law enforcement officer. And that's not because I love federal law enforcement officers. I don't want to go there. I don't want that in my world. Mm -hmm. And anybody that does is living in a fantasy land. Now, if it comes to it, down to it and we have to fight for our freedom, I'm an old man. What do I got to lose? I'm going to do it. I already did it at Bundy Ranch. I went up there prepared to do whatever I had to do. It cost me too, you know, so I don't want to, so anybody that wants to question my patriots and they have no idea what it cost me to go up there and do that thing, you know, and I'm not going to get into any more details about that, but mm -hmm. I just get really pissed off when people want to question my question, what I've done mm -hmm. stuff, just because I dared to ask a simple question right. that I thought was relevant and a mm -hmm. lot of people did too. So anyhow, I don't want to beat this to death anymore. Right, right. No, okay. I, I mean, clear. I think. Yeah, here's what I think. I, I don't think you've show, ever shown me anything that makes me think that you're not a patriot, not a gun guy, and not someone who believes in the Second Amendment. And I don't like it when people try to say I'm not. Mm -hmm. Because mm -hmm. I've got a track record that will prove way different. Yeah. Now, the flip side of it, without getting too deep into it before we move on from it, I think that because we're all very passionate people, you know, we all we, we all function off of passion, Jim. I mean, you do a lot of stuff that normal people out there forget about being your age and all that kind of stuff. They don't get into those things. Right. In order to do that, there has to be some kind of fire that burns inside of the person that makes them very passionate. I think you realize that. Right. Uh, I think I get where you're going. Yeah. So I'm just saying a lot of us are very passionate people and we say things sometimes that we don't necessarily mean or other people listening to us react to those things in not necessarily the ways we wanted everyone to react. When if it was just us talking to each other, it might get fiery. But, you know, the one of the things about being a man is when a man is talking to a man and things get fiery, it doesn't mean it's time to fight. You know, it's just time for you to stand up for what you believe in. You might be saying it very passionately. That guy might be saying it very passionately, but it doesn't always lead to, okay, now we're going to kick each other's asses. Now, see, I came from that generation and I've been in a lot of fights. I've lost a lot and I've won a lot. Um, I don't walk away from them, but that's just my upbringing and that's my yeah. generation. Um, but I don't look for them either. Mm -hmm. You know, that's age. Yeah. Yeah. Do that. 
Yeah. And and listen, I think at the end of the day, we're all pretty much on the same page. We we're, we're seeing something slip away. It's weird for me, Jim, because you, you know, um, you, you remember a time when you could go and easily uh, get a machine gun and, and and get lots of different guns that, that are very difficult, expensive or impossible um, to do today. And that the rest of us can enjoy. I kind of came into this, I don't know, um, maybe like six, seven years ago. And, um, and there's a lot of cool things out there and I, and I see the things that I can't do anymore, but I see the writing on the wall. Like you said earlier, there's something different happening that kind of never happened before. And all these politicians are getting together and they're figuring out ways to do this. There's, there's none of, no one on the Supreme court is worried about what's happening. There's no Republican out there worried about what's happening. They've all sat, they all sat down somewhere and decided that they're going to make this happen. And the only boogeyman that we could look at is Trump and the NRA and the ATF. But so far as I know, the ATF works for all those people. Uh, you know, they don't they don't work for the NRA, but, you know, they work for the politicians. They work for the president. Right. Well, that, that's a very good op- That's a very good observation. And basically what it is is just dividing people into groups again. You know, I mean, you're a black guy. I'm a white guy, but we're both gun owners. So we belong to that group. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? So they find some way to group you into something that they can hate you for. You know, they can't hate you because you're black, but they can hate you because you like guns. Mm -hmm. But they can hate me because I'm white because it's cool. (laughs) It's okay. (laughs) Yeah, they hate me. They uh, listen. I I don't want to say they because, you know, you'd be surprised. Um. You know, I can see the difference, Jim, of when I started doing this, of how many black people now are coming out to say that they believe in the Second Amendment. Oh, yeah. They're, they're gun people. I've yeah. noticed a lot the last couple of years. You know? Yeah, it's it's an amazing, you know, it's an amazing difference from when I first started. And I'm meeting people and not just not, you know, not just black people. I mean, look, the other day I was, um, you know, I was in a I don't know. how I was in a car dealership and I was talking to a guy and he was telling me that with all the things happening in the world, like the stuff going on in New Zealand, he said, you know what? I, n- I never did the gun thing before. Never had one, nothing. And I just decided to do this because of all these things that I see. Mm-hmm. And, and f- folks out there, the media will make you think that w- our numbers are shrinking. And the people that want to be able to, def- what we're talking about, the basics of what we're talking about, not like, you know, he may not fully even understand the Second Amendment and all that kind of stuff right now. I don't put, put words in his mouth, but he right. did it because he of what you said, Jim. He wants to be able to defend himself. Yeah. People, people when they see the reality of that, you know, I mean, that whole that whole New Zealand thing. You know, if you read the guy's manuscript, all he wanted to create was gun control and civil war. Well, he got mm-hmm. his gun control, didn't he? Absolutely. That lady um, gave him exactly gave him half of what he wanted. Yeah. And, and they did it like that. The civil war in America, because that's the other half he wanted, or she probably would have done that too. Yeah, and they did it like that. Now, New Zealand already had very tight gun controls, um, tighter than what we have here when this guy did what he did. Yeah, they, they had access to things, but it was very, very controlled, and you had to really prove yourself to be able to get weapons. And I haven't really followed that. I don't know how the guy obtained his weapons, if it was legal or not. I haven't really kept up on that story, because it frankly it just disgusts me. Mm-hmm. Um, but. It's, I believe uh, he went through he he jumped through all the legal hoops that he had to. And what's happening in New Zealand now, they're just making laws. The politicians now just announcing, OK, this is the new law. And police, the, the cops are already out there collecting guns from people. They've already asked. 
I shared a post about that this morning uh, Mm -hmm. that they they were doing it as of yesterday. They started going to people's houses and works. Mm -hmm. And this is why everybody said, I don't want to register my gun. And here's your exact reason why, because they they have a list that they're just going to chronically, you know, chronologically go through. And so that list may be good in some places, may not in other places, but that's what gun registration was all about. It was never about safety or, you know, keeping your, keeping your life better or anything like that. It was about developing a database of who has this stuff for in the future. We know where to go when we need to take it. Yeah. Uh, by the we're way, seeing it now we're seeing it now. There's no bullshitting it anymore. I mean, mm-hmm. the Democrats don't even come out and say, oh, we don't want to take your guns. They do want to take your guns. And they're oh, telling yeah. you. That yes. You know? they, yeah, absolutely. Uh, Theolese 808 says, what's up from Las Vegas? I'm just giving that shout out from someone who's in Las Vegas with Jim. Yeah, there's uh, yeah, there's quite a few people there. As a matter of fact, Jim, it's not just the list that they already have. They are encouraging people to turn in their neighbors. Oh, yeah. The red flag laws. Yeah. But they're encouraging people in New Zealand. They're telling them, listen, if you know people that have guns, let us know so that we can come get them. Yeah. Your fellow citizens are going to fuck you. And I'm you know, sorry. Yeah. No, it's fine. Listen, we 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 uh this is uh we already put a warning in everything. Uh, all the shows. We, <laughs> you are gonna be on you put the warning up. No, it's not that we curse a lot more than you do, you know. I mean, <laughs> I'm, uh, no, you're all right, Frank. Heck, I'm sorry, man. You just no, that's cool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so um I, I think that what you're seeing in New Zealand, there's a lot of people out there going, Yeah, but that's not gonna happen in America. It could. I think it could very well happen here. It's already you know, happened in California. Yeah. I mean, they have they actually have a um, they actually have an organization. I don't want to call it a law enforcement agency, which I guess it maybe is, but they actually have groups that they've put together for this purpose for the confiscation of guns because they're serious about going after the stuff that they've banned, and uh, they're just a few steps away from doing it. They're it's coming. And, I mean, it happened there a long time ago. There's a an interesting story from back in the um, late '80s, early '90s that a lot of people don't know, and it was a um, he was a retired Air Force colonel who lived back east, and he was going to move to California. Mm-hmm. And he owned an SKS rifle. So they, um, it was a D model, the SKS D model that takes a magazine, you know. Okay. And uh, so he wrote a letter to the um, uh, DOJ attorney, CDOJ, whoever, and says, look, I have this rifle. I plan on retiring, moving out there. I want to make sure it's legal to have it there. I don't want to have any trouble with it. You know, it was a, it was a bring back from Vietnam. It's very valuable to me, you know, uh, and uh, they told him, oh, no, you're fine. You're fine. You know, mm-hmm. and then uh, so the guy moved there and I, it was a, somewhere down the line when they passed another law where you had to register stuff. He thought, oh, OK, well, I guess I need to register this. He registered it and they came and took it because it was a D model. Mm-hmm. So after they told him that it was legal and that he could have it in California, they took it away from him because it was a banned gun in California. It, 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 this goes back a ways, but it's a documented case that happened. That was back when I was the NRA Members Council president. So it was uh, yeah. I, I remember it quite clearly. Um, we were you know, doing a lot of activism in California. Then it was and that guy, he never got that back. No, he never got it back. He didn't. California kept it. Yeah. yeah. So, and I, th- I don't think people understand uh, the emotional attachment, not to the not to the gun itself, because it's a thing that throws bullets. But, you know, it, maybe it's a thing that saved your life. Maybe it's a thing you used when you were out there saving your country. 
you know, or fighting for your country and all that. I don't, I don't, there's no, in any of these laws, there's nothing that recognizes that. And one of the things that people don't realize anymore, and I'm talking to people, I'm talking to the normal folks out there every day, like we're always keeping up with the news, but the regular guy out there working for UPS, you know, the doctor, whatever it is, they don't realize all this stuff going on. They don't. No more grandfathering. Grandfathering is done and over with. If you think you bought something and then they can make this law and you're like, well, it's fine. I already have this thing. That's over and done with. Yeah, that's the next stage. No. Yeah. There is no there's no grandfathering anymore in this bump stock thing. For example, I hate to come back to it, but I mean, there's no grandfathering in there. There's nothing that says if you have this, you know, you, if you go through this process or whatever, then, you know, we'll let you keep it. No, there's none of that. There's not uh, even there's any no serial numbers on a bump stock. If there was, they would have they would have done it. Yeah, there's no way to there was no way to trace it. Yeah. And there's not even they don't even say, you know what? We know you paid for something. You spent your money for something. You bought it when it was 100 percent legal. <laughs> yeah, there's none of that anymore. That that kind of thing has gone away. And there's just a creep that's going to happen that's going to sneak up on people. And there's not it. There's really just not enough of us that pay attention to the news every day. And, and, and I understand in some cases why people don't want to do that. It would drive them insane. Oh, yeah, it's hard to do. I used to be quite the news junkie, but it's gotten so horrible lately that I try to limit myself to no more than an hour a day. And even Mm -hmm. that's too much sometimes. You know, I mean, I used to watch two or three hours of news to try to understand everything, watch a lot of different talk shows, try to figure out the real issues. But it's just gotten so the vitriol and and the rhetoric and the stuff that comes out of these people anymore. You can't learn anything about what they're doing because they're too busy lying to each other and lying to the people in general. Mm -hmm. Um, it's, It's a sad time. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Jumpy Killer QX says, hello, fellow Nevadans. So there you go. Uh, Jim's waving back at you. All the people in Nevada out there. You know what? This is one of the reasons why I actually do this thing, because I feel like a lot of us are we're not listening to the news. I don't trust Fox. I can't. I can't they, listen to Fox. They got issues. They got issues, no doubt. Yeah. So I don't listen to them. I don't listen to CNN. I don't listen to MSNBC. None of those guys. And I get my. I get my. Um, there's things that I look into, like you said. I look at the news and stuff. But then I part of doing this thing where we talk and we take people's questions and we let them say what they have to say is that I feel like not only are people not listening to the media anymore, they don't have anyone to talk to to get these things mm-hmm. out of their system. Yep. Well, that's where memes come from, you know, and and the stuff we post on the internet to, to to you know because we have no other way to. And even now, you know, I mean, you know, you know, you're on you're you're on social media. You know how hard they're trying to clamp down on us as it is, you know. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. we're we're not talking about overthrowing the government or anything terrible or nothing like that. I think we're actually patients here, mm-hmm. but they would stop that in a minute if they could, because you know they do it all the time. Yeah. Well, it's weird. Like they say that everyone should be who they want to be, right? Everyone mm-hmm. should be what they identify as, right? You know, that's what they're saying. There's all these different want to be a gun owner or a conservative or anything else in that line. Yeah. We can't be who we are, though. That's the one like I was talking about this yesterday. This is the they say this is just a macho tox, uh, hyper toxic max- masculinity. <laughs> that's how they refer to us. What, what are we trying to do? You know, <laughs> you know, we're. We're just like a lot of the folks out there where we're into creativity, we're, we're peaceful people. We, we want to enjoy ourselves and have fun. We want to be able to retain the things that we have, protect the people that we care about. 
you know, what's so horrible about us? But but these same people who are out there saying that no one should be shunned and and discriminated against and all this kind of stuff, they're doing that to us. And the thing that we're into, it's weird because it's this one thing that's written that there's an amendment to the Constitution talking about it. But like you said, they figure, hey, you know, this is just some words. We can convince people that this, this over here, we'll get away with this over here. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So, um, all right, let me get, let me get to some other questions. If there's people out there, we got like 20 minutes left with Jim here, you know, so let's get to some stuff. Um, okay. Someone asked me earlier, actually Babyface P that's here on the channel. He says, uh, what would you take to war? Crank AK 105, AK 107, uh, basically short barrel, medium short barrel, full, full length barrel. He wants to know what your setup's going to be, Jim. I think the greatest fighting rifle the Russians ever made was the AK-105. Um, okay. Myself, personally, of my own guns, I would carry my URD. Okay. Basically a shortened version of a 105, kind of. You know, it's, it's people that people that follow it know know about it. But uh, Okay. What did, what length did you shorten the barrel to? It's 11-inch barrel. 11? Okay. But the gun's designed to be suppressed. It's just it's a certain animal that I built for something that I really wanted, and it's my favorite gun. Okay. Uh, and do you do you suppress it? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I run a can on it all the time. Okay. Um, hey, I hate to do this, but I really need to go to the bathroom. Can you give me a couple of minutes? Yes, absolutely. <laughs> I'm sorry, man, but, you know, yeah. <laughs> bladders at this age are rough sometimes. <laughs> I promise okay. you, I'll be right back. It's, it goes fast. Yeah, we understand. We'll talk amongst ourselves for a yeah. second. Yeah. We'll just talk about you, Jim. That's all. Yeah. This, that's coming to all you guys out there. That's all you guys. You know, we should have, we should have, like, um, had Jim maybe have a bottle or something nearby. Usually, usually I tell guests before we go on, if there's a couple of minutes, I'm like, Hey, go use the bathroom, <laughs> you know, but, uh, I, you know, obviously Jim came in here just in time to get started. So, all right. If you guys have, um, if you guys have questions and stuff like that, we do have some time here. So I'm going to hit up whatever questions or comments and things like that you guys want to make to Jim. Uh, Armament and Axis says Jim had a Forrest Gump moment. <laughs> uh, let me see. Tango Hunter has a comment, but I should probably wait for him to come back. Um, oh, look, he came back already. Sorry about that, man. But, you know, yeah. got to go. You got to go. <laughs> there were lots of old man jokes flowing here, Jim. <laughs> I, I yeah. own it. I own it. Hell. Yeah, it's going to happen to all of us. <laughs> I earned that shit, man. <laughs> it's going to happen to all of us. You that know, was really fast, man. Damn. <laughs> well, you know, I, I got this shit down. You have to do it a lot. You know, you want to go on a road trip with me. Trust me. You know? Uh-oh. Okay. Funny, funny. One night I was doing one of these podcasts with Tactical Lolo. Mm -hmm. You know, I just, I had to go and we were having a good conversation and I just carried the laptop into the bathroom and I didn't really realize that anybody could hear what I was doing. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy yeah i felt kind of bad about that but she yeah. laughed about it she thought it was funny and yeah. i guess everybody else did too so you know what when you say that i'm thinking that would make a great sticker you know how they always have the the, the sticker on cars with the kid peeing you should just do a jim fuller peeing and there's like an ak or something on the toilet or <laughs> <laughs> that would be funny that would oh be yeah funny. Yeah, I think I would probably rock that T-shirt. Um, let, <laughs> let's see here. There were a couple of questions. Um, OK, Bricks wants to know um, if you're building a case for contractors overseas doing work. 
Uh, we built a lot of that's that was ninety percent of our customers in the early days. Um, the uh, yeah, we we you know we've equipped a few companies um, and we've equipped a lot of guys individually. You know, when we first started out, that was back in the in the heyday of, of Iraq when you know the contracting was huge. The guys were making huge money. You know, oh three oh four right around that time. Mm-hmm. Um, and these guys, you know, these are guys I've been training with and, and knew for for years from other things. You know, from different gun circles, and they're going, "Hey man, you're building those AKs now." These guys are calling me up. They say, I, "I hear you're building those AKs now." I never played with one until I got here. I really like it. I want one when I get back. Mm-hmm. But, okay. So, and that's just kind of where it kind of took off from there. So for probably the first, really the first three years we were in three, four years we were in business, we were building nothing. 90% of our business were contractors. Okay. And, and the big reason for that, I think I was talking to someone um, that was overseas in, uh, I can't remember if he was in the army, but I think maybe he was a Marine, but he was saying that, you know, when you go overseas and you see what the 762 does, the round you're wondering like how come we don't get a bigger round yeah it yeah. shoots through stuff really well yeah five five six does yeah so yeah it's faster smaller or whatever but you know listen um i like them both i like them both i know we've asked that question before so i'm not getting into it like which one would you do this one or that I am. one where's mrs fuller oh okay is it karen okay hi <laughs> let's see hi. hey how's everything i'm good how are you good great <laughs> awesome she just got off work i've been home for a while <laughs> oh, okay, <cool. laughs> and she works with you right yeah yeah she works at the shop okay cool okay see someone was holding it down um let's see here there's a bunch of questions um okay let's see okay veals 808 says do i still hang with mix flip i see mix flip we talk, but yeah, we came, don't. He came yeah. with you to uh, he came with you to my shop. If I remember right. Yeah, when we did that video, absolutely. Um, yeah, you know what? Th- that's a whole thing. I can't fully answer that question, but I do. I'm cool with Mixflip, but he's not allowed to hang out with me. Let's put it that way. <laughs> so what went down? Why he's not allowed to hang out with me? I can't really tell you guys. <laughs> So we all need good mysteries, Hank. Yeah, I'm just gonna leave it like that. But Mixflip is a good guy. Um, you know, he's out there obviously still doing his thing. He's a police officer in Las Vegas. Um, as a matter of fact, what we were talking about earlier, he's one of the guys that responded to that and all that kind of good stuff. So, but uh the reason why you guys don't see me in videos that much is because we're not allowed to officially hang out with each other. I'm just gonna I'm just gonna leave that there. So <laughs> let me see what other uh, what other questions we have going here. Um, Armin Axis says, I wish the 545 by 39 would have caught on more here in the U.S. Um, I think that's very popular in the U.S., right? It, it, it is in certain circles. Um, but honestly, um, I'd say over the last couple of years, we sold one 545 gun to probably nine 762 guns. Wow. Okay. So why is that? I'm sorry. Why is that? Is that availability or just it's not popular anymore? I think for a long time they were really popular. You know, at first, I mean, those kids started coming into the country around '06 or '05, I think, and uh, nobody really knew about them that much. And the ammo was super cheap. I mean, I think it was like four or five cents around at the time. And I saw that and I said, "Man, I got to have one of these. This is cheap. This is good plinking fun." You know, Mm -hmm. so I built one and realized how much fun it was. But they weren't really that they started to take off when eventually it started making receivers for them. And then, then all of a sudden you had these nice 74 side folder kits that you could build a nice five, four, five out of, and you had all this cheap ammo and they took off and we were selling a lot of them around that time. But then 
when they um, what hurt the five four five I think the most was when they um, when Obama banned the import of, of the Russian ammo. Mm. Everybody kind of thought that ended all ammo for the five four five, which it did not. It only ended Russian surplus military right. surplus ammo. Mm-hmm. I mean, most of the commercial five four five we we buy comes out of the Ukraine or other places that are not Russia. So we still we've always had plenty of five four five in supply in this country, and mags. You know, mags have always been a little pricey for it. You know, the thirty dollars and up, depending on what you're buying. Um, you know, for the for the import stuff. Um, yeah. But um, so that, what? I really think that ammunition mm-hmm. ban hurt the five four five popularity a lot in this country because, again, like you said, a lot of gun owners they have jobs, they don't follow this stuff like we do. They don't know. They just think, oh man, there's no more ammo for that gun. I don't want one of them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know? my bullpup, and, and I don't know if you know this, but I'm a big bullpup guy. That's what I mm-hmm. collect. I collect bullpups. Cool. So I have a bullpup AK. Um, it's a Century Arms. So I think Century Arms put a kit on it mm-hmm. and put it out there, but it's not, not like a kit that I put on. So it was it was uh, assembled and everything by Century Arms. And that's 545. I, I really do like that round. I do um, a lot. It's my yeah. favorite. So that's what. So Eric uh, Schultz is asking, what caliber do you think is more effective, more lethal? Do you think it's the five four five or the seven six two? I'm gonna I'm gonna quote Sonny Pazikas on this because it's it's dead nuts good good sense. If you own one one AK, it should be a seven six two. If you own two AKs, it should be a seven six. They should be seven six two. So you have a backup. If you have a third AK, get a five four five. Okay, when you get to the third one, <laughs> there. Okay, and put more, buy more five four fives. I don't know, but the reality yeah. is, in particularly in this country, there are there are at least three or four ammo manufacturers that make seven six two thirty nine. Mm-hmm. There's only one that makes five four five, and they use cases from you know com block countries to make them with. They get they get their cases. They use steel cases from the Ukraine to make those with Hornaday does. So if all the import went away. There probably would not be any more five four five ammo available, um, whereas there would be seven six two by thirty nine ammo available because PMC Remington, you know, the the big box manufacturers all make it. It's going to be expensive, you know that mm-hmm. um, because it's brass case, it's American made, it's going to cost money, but it's still going to be out there. And right. Same thing with the mags. You know, mags are all over the place for seven six two. Yeah. Know? Uh, yeah, I think you, 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 if you look properly, you can find the 545. I know I've got a bunch. Um, but you're saying it's it's a myth that the 545 round is not available. No, it's available. I can, I, can buy, I can buy thousands of rounds of it right now. You can still find 7 and 6 in private hands, you know, the Russian ammo that was banned from coming in. Because the 7 and 6 was the only thing that was banned from import. It wasn't anything else. You know, wolf, the zoo animals, I like to call them wolf, golden bear, golden tiger, silver bear, whatever they are. Um, that stuff all still comes into the country because it's not Russian ammo. It comes from the Ukraine. Mm. So there was no, there was never an issue with that. You could always get, still can today. Okay. Um, I think it really did because a lot of people just didn't know that. You know, five four five is not the kind of stuff you find stocked by the box at at, at, at Bass Pro Shop. You know, you usually got to order it from an internet supplier. A lot of people don't order ammo like that. A lot of people don't even understand that exists. Mm-hmm. So they just figure, okay, there's no more five four five ammo. I don't want one of those guns. Yeah, which is too bad because it's a fun gun. I'm sorry? Which is too bad because I think it is a really cool, fun gun, uh, in my opinion. Yeah. And and to to take this even further, I mean, we've recently pulled our 545 line off the website because of the shortage of parts for them. That's the biggest issue with 545 rifles right now. 
Um, we, for years, we were building stuff off of Bulgarian parts kits because the Bulgarians build really nice guns and they never went to war. So their parts are impeccable. They're like brand new, you know, they're brand new guns when they're cut up. So mm-hmm. they always make really nice 545 guns. We've always been able to get decent 545 parts, parts kits, but that's not so easy anymore. Wow. Few and far between and the prices are going higher on them. Um, I, I think our guns still have some, there's a few places that still have them, but they're, you know, they're in the $500 range now where they used to be in the three fifty, four hundred dollars $400 range. They're going up because there's less of them. Just, you know, it's not, it's just economics 101 and they're just going to keep getting more expensive until they're not available anymore. Cause right now nobody's talking about bringing any in. Okay. So when you say parts, is that just the receiver or is a whole bunch of other no, parts? parts kits, cut up guns. From other okay. Okay. Yeah. Cause I, I think isn't sharps. I thought I read somewhere that sharps is making a five, four, five, um, receiver. He is making one now. I'm actually working on one right now. Um, that I'm doing a T and E thing with, um, but it's, uh, it's not so much that if anything, what's going to be hard to find are going to be like bolts, bolt carriers, uh, the things that are five, four, five specific that normally you normally get mm-hmm. the part if that are not made here. Mm-hmm. You know? uh, and how, how are those usually manufactured in, in terms of are those like cast parts or those, uh, no, those main parts that you'd be looking for. Those are, those are forgings that are kind of expensive to make. And right now, you know, it, it's really, we're on the verge of getting people to spend money to build seven, six, two forgings because there's a, there's a bigger market for that. Mm-hmm. You're not going to get anybody to shell off the money for five, four, five forgings right now because there's just not a big enough market to get an investor to put off that kind of money. Keep in mind, a forging is probably going to cost you a hundred grand per part mm-hmm. just, to get, just to get it set up to start running, and then you have yeah. to, you know, you have to make your money back to pay for that. So yeah, and then there's approvals and things like that that you have to go through to even to even be able to build those, right? Oh no, we can. You know, we can. Okay. I mean, there's, there, you don't have to get any special permission for it, but okay. uh, anybody that's doing it better plan on spending an awful lot of time TNEing, test firing, and making sure that stuff really works before you put it on the market. Because there's two reasons why you shouldn't do that. One, you're using your customers as a test dummy, which mm-hmm. is bad. <laughs> the gun goes bad. Your there's name people is that do that. that. <laughs> I understand what you're saying. <laughs> yeah. I mean, well, I mean, yeah, I, mm-hmm. It's a double-edged sword there. You put right. out a shitty gun, you're fucking your customers. And whether you, if you know, don't know it's, if you don't know it's a solid gun, it's going to work. You're screwing your customers and you're screwing yourself, mm-hmm. you know? And I've seen a lot of people do it time and time again, because they don't want to spend the money or the time for testing evaluation and, and seeing if their parts really, really work. And then somebody buys it. It doesn't work the way they want it to. And it turns into a, you know, mm-hmm. so. yeah, it becomes, it becomes a horrible situation. So mm-hmm. Um, and it's not, look, I don't know, man. I think a lot of people looking at starting a business today are not very likely to get into the gun business. What do you think? Am I wrong on that? Or, um, I think you're probably pretty close to being right. That's, I'll just qualify it with, by saying that because, uh, mm-hmm. I, I myself right now, looking at the way it is right now, if this, if it was this way 15 years ago, I may not have done it. Honestly, I may not have, but then I might, you know, because I still, this is, this has been my life and that's not going to change. You know, I mean, I'm, a, I'm in my sixties now, I'm in my last quarter of life. I'm not going to change now. It's, mm-hmm. you know, I would never stop 60, doing it. What are you talking life. about, man? Sixties? Huh? I think we could go to 120 at least. <laughs> yeah. I don't want to be that old. I've already seen too much of this place. When I've seen what it's turned in the last 20 years, I don't want to live that long. It's going to be freaking weird there's stuff you could do you could swap out organs you can get some uh young blood from some 16 year olds or something 
<laughs> uh, I don't know about that. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> you know, try to do that. Okay, serious question uh, along the lines of what we were, what you were just talking about. What advice would you give to someone looking to start up a, a business like the one that you're in, like Rifle Dynamics or something in the gun industry? What advice would you give them? Just to make money. You said don't do it. Don't do it just to make money. Yeah, because for one, there's not a lot of money in it. Um, you can make money in it, but there's not a lot of money in doing it right. Now, if you want to put out cheap stuff and just make a quick cash in on it, then go ahead, jump into the market. There's plenty of people doing it. Um, mm -hmm. But if you want to have longevity and you want to put out good product, you need to be real. You need to have a passion for it and you need to do it right and not try to cut corners wherever you can just to save a nickel. You know, mm -hmm. this, you know. I would probably be a lot better off now mm -hmm. if I had cheaped out in my time, but I never did, you know, and I didn't get rich off rifle dynamics. You know, I sold the company. I got a comfortable life now, but I didn't get rich from that. And mm -hmm. I never really wanted to, frankly, I did it more out of passion than anything else, which is why I still do it because I don't want to stop doing it. I enjoy it a lot. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, I've had a lot of offers to do other things. And there were some pretty interesting offers and some pretty challenging things I would have maybe considered doing. But, you know, I built Rifle Dynamics. It means a lot to me. Um, I mean, you know the story behind the painting you were showing there? I mean, mm -hmm. there's a lot of that that's a big part of me, and it's very hard to walk away from that. Yeah. Uh, I, I care about it. So I, I suspect that I'll probably die at that work pitch. <laughs> yeah. I think you do. That. Yeah. yeah, you know what? I think to, to do this kind of stuff, it, it, there's got to be um, – like we, I think we said this earlier, there has to be some kind of passion and feeling and desire every day that makes you get up and do it, you know, because even when I think about it, like what I do, right, you know, I'm, I'm making I'm, I'm making YouTube videos and on social media. Um, most of it is geared towards guns. I'm, I'm doing some little side things to keep myself sane that are like cars and watches sure. and tech and stuff like that. But the gun thing, if I gave up on it and and made the car thing a big thing, it would be so much easier because there's not everyone coming down on you. Oh, yeah, sure. You know, so you like the thing that makes me get up and do it every day is that thing where this has always been something that it's almost like a uh, something that always just pulls me out and makes me do it. Right. I've always been. Um, interested in the engineering and, and everything, the, the art, the artistic creativity that goes around guns, everything involved in it. Right. Yeah. The same way. Okay. Yeah. So if you're going to do this kind of business, make sure that you're ready for that. Well, I mean, and it just goes back to what you were saying. You asked me before when I said I was, you know, I used to sit and uh, play guitar in my mom's basement all the time. Well, prior to that, I used to build model airplanes and cars. Mm -hmm. you know, because I pre frankly enjoyed doing that more than I did going out and playing sports and doing whatever else kids did at that time. I enjoyed sitting there making things, building things, you know, and uh, it's interesting because when I was little cars and little town I lived in, you know, we didn't have a whole lot of money. And in those days, a decent model was like two bucks. And that was a lot of money in the 60s. Mm -hmm. and, you were in uh, Cali, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And uh, I remember there was a there was a, a store in town, a small department store where they used to sell model planes and cars. And I used to go in there on Saturdays and look at the models and stuff. And I never had money to buy anything, but I used to just look at them every once in a while. I might have money and I was able to buy one, you know, mm -hmm. and, uh, it was, I love this. I, I love this story because it, it was such a life lesson that I'll never forget. Um, but the old man that ran the store, he, um, 
came to me one day and he says, I see you in here every Saturday looking at model of their planes and stuff. I said, yep, yep. And he goes, uh, but you never buy any. And I said, well, I just like to look. And he goes, he goes, you know, um, I got some messes I need cleaning up in my back room there. If you can go sweep that back room out and take that stuff out to the trash, I'll give you a pick of any one of these models you want. Deal. <laughs> and I go, really? Mm -hmm. So my first job. <laughs> mm -hmm. and, uh, so I went back to the guy, had me sweep out his back room, click up the stuff, put it away. No big deal. I do that shit every day at home, you know? Mm -hmm. And he gave me a nice little model of a Camaro car or something, you know? Mm -hmm. And then uh, several times in there, I went in there after that and he would say that, uh, he would tell me, he says, Hey, you know, you know, you know, kid, uh, I got a couple of models that got smashed and I, I can't sell them because some of the parts are broken in them. You know, um, why don't you just take them home? Mm -hmm. You know, maybe you can do something with them. And with those broken models, I would sit there because I wanted to build it so bad, but I would look at the parts that were broken and try to figure out how to fix them. Mm -hmm. You yeah. had a, you had like an unnatural attraction to those things, like a demon almost living inside of you that made you get up and do that, right? I think so. And mm -hmm. you know, and and, and as far as uh, you know, Mr. Stevens, who was the guy that owned that place, so um, he uh, it was a uh, it was kind of sad because I went in one Saturday and and uh, his son was there. Who, had, who was very rarely ever there. His son didn't really do anything with the business. And uh, apparently Mr. Stevens had passed away a couple of days before that. And, mm -hmm. uh, you know, he was an older guy, heart attack or something, I don't know. And uh, his son um, proceeded to tell me that, uh, he says, oh yeah, you're the, you're the boy that comes in here and gets the models on the weekends, yeah? And I mm -hmm. go, yeah. He goes, he goes, you know, all those smashed models that my dad used to give you? And I go, yeah. He smashed him himself. Wow. Yeah. That was a man just trying to teach a kid something that mm -hmm. he had no tie to, had no reason to do it whatsoever. But you know what? Maybe someone really did that nice. for him. You know what yeah. I mean? Maybe someone did that for him and he knew that he had to pass that on. Yeah, I, I like to think that, you know, and I've kind of done a lot of that stuff myself now because, uh, you know, people ask me all the time, you know, why you tell people how to build shit on the Internet? You're giving away all your secrets. I ain't giving away no secrets. This shit was developed in the 40s, you know. Um, but, you know, it, it is. It's like it's not so much what you take with you. It's what you leave behind. It's what you leave behind for other people to carry on, you know. And that's what Mr. Stevens did for me. He broke those models. So I would go home and sit there and figure out a way to fix those things because he probably seen in the back of his mind. Here's a guy with some incredible mechanical skills. I'm going to make him better. Mm -hmm. I'm going to try to give him something that will help him in the future. I truly believe that man was thinking that. Why else was he smashing models that he could have sold and given to me? You mm -hmm. know? I uh, agree with you. I agree with you, man. Yeah. That's that's really powerful. I'm, I'm telling you that. I was going to I was going to ask you one last question before we go, but I think that's a pretty good place to end it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's a good story. I don't share yeah. it often because, yeah. you know, I don't like to get into mushy shit too much. That's why I don't talk about a lot of things. But yeah. Um, think about that, you know, even the though impact on my life, and I, I think a lot of people should, if they thought that way, mm -hmm. our future generations would be a lot better off. Yeah. Know? Yeah. Spend the time to educate somebody, spend the time to leave your knowledge behind for other people to be able to use it. You yeah. Know, and yeah. Make it better. Amen. Amen. Think about what you can pass down to the people that are going to be here after you. I think a lot of people don't care when they leave the world. They don't care what happens after they leave. But I think it's really important for us, whether you have children or not or whatever, when you leave the world, leave it a better place than when you came into it and pass on something that you learned to someone else. Yes, sir. That's Amen. Sir.
Yeah. All right. Listen, I'm going to wrap this up. I want to thank Jim for being here. He's done like two hours with us. Uh, you know, I'm very grateful for that. Um, you know, all you guys out there that are joining us early. Thanks a lot for that. We're not going to, we're not going to do the seven o'clock. We'll come back tomorrow and we'll do that. We'll have Walter and Babyface uh, come in tomorrow. But um, lots of folks saying out there that was a very touching story. Jim, um, are there any last words that you want to give to the people or do you want to tell them how they can get in touch with you, get in contact and be able to uh, communicate with you? Yeah, you know, you know um, info at rifledynamics.com, 870-670-6777. That's our phone number. It used to be my cell phone number. I should be able to remember that. <laughs> but anyhow hank it's always a pleasure man i always enjoy talking with you and you know anytime you want to hang out i'm, I'm more than happy to do so you guys are great folks you know? absolutely thank you jim it was a pl- it was, the pleasure was mine man i really do appreciate you uh you've done this a lot and i appreciate you continuing to do it some people when they get to know me they you know they don't want to you know come on and hang out with me and stuff like that but you've done it you've done it here publicly um i see lots of people thanking you thanking us for doing this um, I, you know, thanks to everyone out there for joining us early, please. You know, if you're not subscribed, subscribe here to the channel, ring the bell so you can be notified and please do go check out, uh, rifle dynamics on social media. They're on Facebook, Instagram, uh, Twitter, all of those good places. Uh, Jim Fuller. Huh? Oh Twitch. yeah. Twitch coming soon with the Twitch. I'm going to have to get up on the Twitch now, Jim. I don't know, man. <laughs> I'm actually, I think I'm going to build one of my guitars on Twitch one night or something. I don't know. Oh, oh, We've been talking about different things to do that weren't necessarily gun stuff. So yeah, you know, that's cool. Absolutely. Know, it's going to be fun. It's an, it's an adventure. We'll see how it goes. You know? Yes, absolutely. Everyone out there, look out for Jim Fuller on Twitch. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. You're going to enjoy it. Okay. That's it. We're out of here now. Uh, Jim, stay right there. We're going to end this stuff. We will see you guys tomorrow night. There's no show at seven, so don't look for it. <laughs> Sorry about that. Enjoy Thanks, it. Yes. Uh, thank you, Jim. Uh, if you're coming in now, rewind the show to the beginning and enjoy it. We're out of here. This is when it usually starts, huh? <laughs> yeah, exactly. This is when it usually starts.